We dumped some of their kind there. What? The joints. They left the weight outside. We don't want them. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hutchinson, and you're listening to episode 72, I Am The Law, Bot. Joining us tonight, as always, it's Peter Davis. Good evening, Pete. Why, Richard, man, what's going on, like? Well, Pete, with the coronavirus and things that are still continuing, I've got a, a general question for you to start off with. So, as a business seller on eBay, Pete... Have you recognised any trends over the last week or so? Are things starting to pick up or is it still the same? I've increased my sales. I think it's because I compete with Chinese people. So I think people have not been buying from China. So that's a good thing for me. So, um, yeah, I've had a, good, a really good coronavirus period. So buy British, buy Pete. <laughs> well, it's basically Chinese stuff that I've got rather than opposed to Chinese stuff that the Chinese have got. So... I think people are just going, I don't want to get anything from China, so coming to me instead. It's really good. Thank you, everyone out there. And welcome to Andy again, back from last episode. Andy Norton, good evening. Good evening, Rich. Uh, pleasure to be back as always. Right, first time writing a quiz then, Andy, so how did you find it? It was um, it was a challenge. It was an enjoyable challenge. Uh, unfortunately, Pete's suggestion of using the chase as a uh, as a basis was I'd never seen the chase. I thought, well, it can't be too complicated. So we sat sat through an episode. There's only actually about five minutes worth of questions, but it's pretty rapid fire. So 100 questions I had to put together on Sunday. So I got all my reference books. Uh, so it's enjoyable, but but hard work. I just, just hope it works. And finally, Jason Smith's joining us this evening. Good evening, Jason. Good morning, a man a man. As our con regular, has there been any update on Celebration? Uh, an email sent out a couple of weeks ago where uh, uh, Celebration slash Repop just said that they are monitoring the situation. It's a dynamic situation. They're talking to Anaheim Visitors Bureau and the Anaheim Convention Center. Um, and then they say in the event that the, the event is postponed or cancelled, there will be the option to transfer tickets or uh, get a refund. Um, and they say to watch this space, there's going to be further updates. But the interesting thing, though, is that um, the other the other big con that people were looking for for direction, San Diego Comic Con, uh, got cancelled uh, several weeks ago, and people expected celebration to be cancelled about a week later, and they haven't done it yet. Right, awesome stuff, guys. So I'm looking forward to the episode tonight. There seems to be an interesting mix, and we've got a cracking interview later on, which I'm really looking forward to listening to. So let's delve into our purchases. So start off with me, keep it nice and simple. No purchases for me once again this month. I've been really good in 2020 so far. Pete, I'm going to go over to you now. Any purchases for you this month? 
Yeah, let's get the short ones out of the way because uh, I want a quick kit while Jason's going through his 18,000 items. I got the last few FKS stickers for my Empire Strikes Back FKS sticker album. Thank you to Dan Burgess and to Andy Preston who saved me for the last last couple and sent them to me without charge. It was very, very nice of them. I did buy a couple off eBay as well, and a guy sent me a free... Well, it was obviously falling apart, but uh, um, a free packet as well. I thought it was quite nice. That finishes it all off quite nicely. I didn't ask for it. He just sent it to me. And um, I got some of this sort of vintage, sort of vintage, but not really. It was a couple of what they call audio clips, <laughs> floppy disks. So they were really nice in the box. They're obviously from a, an era about sort of mid-90s, sort of early 90s. They're on floppy disk. Uh, thankfully, I do have a laptop with a floppy disk drive in it. And uh, really advanced files, you know, there's about a, a, ooh, a megabyte of information on each disk. So what I might do is film me using it because it's, uh, <laughs> it's just basically sound files and a little program. But it's really advanced because it was like, you know, it's, it's what, 27 years old? So, uh, you know, it's in that sort of dark period between the, the re-release of the films and the uh, the old films. So... Yeah, that was it. I mean, I, I, and it, one was Empire Strikes Back, one was the Return of the Jedi one, so I shall hunt out the, the Star Wars one, but I know that um, that's quite hard to find on a floppy, apparently. But yeah, that was it, really. Mm, interesting items, those. Andy, we'll come to you then before we go to the behemoth, that's Jason, so any pickups for you this month? Well, much like you, Rich, technically nothing, although I think it was actually during the last show I... Put in a best offer on during a During scan- the show? Did you just say during the show? As we were recording, you were browsing eBay because you were so bored. Shocking. I, I think I was doing research for one of Pete's articles. It was uh, tins, wasn't it? I was, I was looking for tins on eBay and inadvertently stumbled across the Scanlight lampshade, the Star Wars Scanlight lampshade. Uh, so I put in a best offer. Sold as partially sealed, complete, sort of never removed, that kind of thing. It arrived in terrible packaging it's like this is a story of the best and worst of ebay really so terrible the the envelope it was in was exactly the same size as the uh, as the lampshade the the cellophane wrap of the lampshade had stuck to the inside of the envelope so when i opened it, it sort of it peeled it more but actually it was just rags around the lampshade it clearly been opened before but i didn't investigate too deeply i, I so i got the I filed a not as described. The guy was messing me around a little bit. He was more worried about his feedback than refunding me. But the beauty of eBay is they do refund you if, you're, if you've been wrong. So I got, got all my money back and wanted to do the right thing and return it. And the guy said, oh, OK, just chuck me £15 and keep it, you know, for the lampshade and the poster it came with. And then I so I, I took it out. The, uh, the fact, In fact, Pete, it was actually in a box with your address on it. I was going to send it to you because I didn't want to... Um, a loose one, but I was just what? looking online to see what they they look like, and I realised there was only six panels in this. And there's meant to be more. I won't say any more because we're going to come to the quiz in a bit. There's meant to be more. There was a few images not there, and it, I realised it was sort of half complete. And so I'd, I'd paid him fifteen pounds. I'm now doing a dispute with him to get the fifteen pounds back. I think which uh, will arrive soon. So a tale of woe. I have a half complete scanlight lampshade but it does have a very nice poster of darth vader and two stormtroopers which according to the star wars collector's archive is a swedish release i don't know why that was packaged with the the british lampshade but and when, when we mentioned that i mean i think i told you that one that i 
was gonna was trying to get off this guy for like about 15 quid and he wasn't having any way like 25 30 quid i was like that's not worth that it'd be so silly and that had like that sounded very similar to that so i wonder whether he found the the packaging shoved it in try to blame post i don't i think he was genuine Sounds I think he was genuine. He left, he left feedback for me first. I think he'd bought it thinking it was sealed and never really looked at it. But it's it's about how you behave in these manners, isn't it? The easy thing to do, something's not to describe, you refund, you send it back, everyone's happy. But, um, yeah, it just dragged out this one, so I wasn't, wasn't very impressed. But I, so I've got a challenge now. I'm going to try and find the other panels for the lampshade and, and build one from scratch. Good luck there. And you're so bored recording the Vintage Rebellion podcast that he goes browsing off on eBay. Uh, Jason, okay. I think you've done that once before as well, and I'm pretty sure you've got lots of items to talk about for this month. Well, I, I, I do have two months' worth, but I, I have, looking at it, I am, I am flabbergasted at how much stuff I've actually purchased. But interesting, talk about eBay issues. Um, here's one that came up for me, which I've not seen before. Um, I've been buying a lot of uh, comic adverts and framing them and sticking on on my wall on the walk up to my collection room on the stairs and i bought some frames from what i thought was ebay and they turned up in an amazon shipping case and what it was it's somebody who'd started an ebay shop and all they had in their shop was stuff that was available on amazon with a 50 percent markup and all they did was that if you ordered them off ebay they would type an order into amazon and you would get a box from amazon now that that's against eBay uh, eBay regulations on how you're meant to uh, use the system. What you, what you are allowed to do is have your own warehouse of your own stock and then have Amazon ship it for you. But this person was clearly just shipping it directly because the frames that I wanted, the photo frames I was looking for, were sold out on Amazon. And I saw they were on eBay and I saw they were a bit more. And I thought, well, I want these frames. And of course, when they turned up, they were completely different frames. So. Uh, I called the seller out and got my money back on that. So it's called drop shipping. Very interesting thing, drop shipping. So if you if stuff looks, shop around because if you're getting it on eBay, it could just be uh, somebody marking it up and it's on Amazon. There you go. Anyway, moving on to all my purchases, um, I, I've been uh, I've been very bad and I've bought lots and lots of stuff. So anyway, here we go. I've got a Palatoy 12C R2-D2 card back. Now, the 12C cards we've spoken about a few times with Palatoy, it's, it's one where there's an extra line of uh, text on the back talking about um, the, the large, the three and three quarter inch figures not being inserted to die-cast vehicles. So I'm now needing just one of those, which is a 12C Vader. Then I also got a Canadian 12-back Stormtrooper card back, which completes my set of the first 12. And then... The more commonly one, more common one that people uh, want to purchase is the GDE car back. So I've got an R2D2 and a Leia, um, which leaves me just leaving the Chewbacca. And, and apparently the Chewbacca has only uh, been a couple of examples seen. So people are even amazed to see this picture I have of 11 of them. So, And then I completed my German car back run a number of years ago. Uh, but I'm now trying, rather than just having a mix of the 45A car back and the 45B car back, the difference of which is on the back, on the on the 45A it says um, collect 45 action figures on the back, and they removed that on the 45B. So I'm trying to do a run of 45A now, because most of my cards were 45B. So I've added a Power Droid and a Luke Hoth card back to that run, so I'm very happy with that. I've got a Power Toy Action Force Get Extra Christmas Presents Free Flyer, 
I'm kind of trying trying to kind of beef up my power toy paperwork. I'll talk more about it in a bit. And then framed on the wall, I'm trying to get all the power toy adverts that appeared in all the comics and uh, Star Wars Weekly. So uh, I've got a load of those. So I got the there's one that says power toy brings toys to planet earth which is a double a4 uh, picture which is very nice then there's the power toy star wars collections four of these there's a tie fighter advert there's um, one with a bunch of figures one of which is called green guido there's one with r2d2 and ctpo and the java sandcrawler and there's one where r2d2 and ctpo talk about how to win a, a day or at the filming of one of the movies uh, as an advert then there's um, a set of four flyers for Return of the Jedi that all look very similar, and three of them have a board around the edge of them. There's Rancor Keeper, the Emperor, Chewbacca, Bandolier, and the colouring competition. And I've got those framed up in a frame with all four of them side by side, which looks really nice. That used to have my Palatoy carrier bag in it, but I've got a new frame for that, which is exactly the same size as the carrier bag now, and it looks really nice up on the wall. Uh, and then the last couple of adverts I've got are Jedi film and figures and action display figures for Empire Strikes Back. So they're all framed up on the on the on the walk on the way up to the stairs, and it all looks really nice now. It has to be said in general because of because of lockdown, I've, um, my collection room is looking as as nice and neat and ordered as it has ever done, and I've done everything with it now. So I've I've got nothing I can fiddle around with now. So I'm just having to buy more and more stuff. On to more and more stuff. Um, I've also got issues eight and nine of Star Wars Weekly, where it talks about a letter set competition advert, and there's a couple of adverts for that. That goes with my letter set focus. And then there's uh, number 118, where it's uh, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Weekly, where there's a dare, there's a copy of a Dairy Lee diorama inside the, inside the magazine, and uh, one of the Dairy Lee transfer sheets come with it. So I've got that as well. Then moving on to my, my next big kind of focus uh, while I've been in lockdown is a brand new focus, which was uh, what we covered um, not in the last podcast, but the podcast before, which is Panini. And uh, I've basically gone Panini crazy. So the first thing I did, we did talk about my Argentina 78 World Cup album, album and my missing Scotland squad. And I've got all the boys back together. So they're all in there. We Archie Gemmel, Kenny Dugleish. Lou Macari, they're all back, so I'm very happy with that. Then moving on to uh, the Panini stuff, this is basically the blue Return of the Jedi album that we spoke about. So I've got four Panini sticker packets. They're quite hard to get. They're a lot more rare than the, the ones which are branded as tops. I've got 2000 AD, Progs 331 to 335, which is when they did the comic baggie with um, the giveaway in issue 333. And in the preceding comics and the one after, there are basically there's lots of adverts inside the comic talking about the promotion. Same with Eagle Comic. I've got the 3rd, 10th and September issues of, of those, which again have Panini promo adverts. And Buster, same again, 3rd, 10th and 17th of September with more adverts. Um, I've got an unused Tops Return of the Jedi sticker, sticker album, which is very nice. And then I've got the unused British sticker album from, from Panini, and then there's a German, Italian, and French one, um, at which point I thought, I've got all five, they're all mint, uh, I've got no more to get. At which point, I was told by uh, Matthew Bar Barellamy that there's a variation on the French sticker album that I didn't know about. And what it is, there was a French magazine called Piff, and they had they did a comic bag away with, uh, giveaway with 
basically issue 770, I think it is, of Pith, which is October 18th, 1983. And that came with a branded version of the sticker album, which has a Pith logo stamped uh, just below where it says Jedi in big letters at the top of the album. So I was very pleased to uh, pick that up. And then also, and I already had this, was the previous issue as a full-page uh, advert advertising the fact that they're giving it away in the next issue. And I just happened to have that by chance. So I was very pleased with that. Still on Panini, I have the three... In the, in the comic giveaway, there was the, the 2000 AD baggie in green. And then there was the Buster one in blue and the eagle one in red and as far as i can see the buster one in blue and the eagle one in red are rare as hen's teeth and i managed to pick up a sealed buster so i'm very happy with that which leaves me just needing a red eagle baggie and then i've got all of them at that point the last thing i got for panini is a german panini sticker box now the tops ones of these are, are quite common i think there's like three on either worth three on ebay last time i looked but the 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 Panini ones hardly ever come up, and I've got um, the German version of that, which is, it, they all look the same, and they just have a little thing on with the German price on it. So I've got a sticker box for that, which I'm very happy with. And then my last couple of things, not strictly vintage, but I have got Mark Daniels' Boba Fett ESB custom poster, which he's been doing, and I think he's still got a couple of those left, and that's really nice. I've got that on the wall. And lastly, Craig Stevens managed to point me out a very, very cheap online copy of his book, The Star Wars Phenomenon in Britain. And I've got a copy of that. And I've got a little quote in that, which I gave him. And I had to sign an indemnity form for him to, to, to write about. And it's got a little quote from me in it. So that was uh, quite nice reading that in the book. And I think that's everything. Yeah, excellent, Jason. So it's great round of purchase there, guys. So well done. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, I'll try and buy more next month. You set them off. You set them off. Right, guys, some great pickups there. Now let's head on over to the main topic this month, and this one's come from Pete. So Pete has written the show notes, having bought an item from Todd Chamberlain with a picture of Luke Skywalker in the Dagobah cave dark side scene. Which scenes are there in Star Wars films without merch? In brackets, not counting books, storybooks collector's cards, and I think we should add Dixie Cups and everything else you can think in there. <laughs> really, really interesting question, that, Pete. So I had a long think about that, so I'm just going to go first because I've got something open in the SWC as I'm looking at it, and I'm going to go with the Emperor on his throne. And what I'm looking at here... Oh. And what I'm looking at is the Emperor's throne concept mock-up. And according to the SWCA, this mock-up was displayed at Toy Fair in 1984 and came from the former Kenner salesman who managed the showroom in New York. It's possible it was just made for display purposes and not intended as a product concept which becomes more apparent when you see the entire figure display. And I think it's absolutely right. There isn't a lot with the Emperor or the Emperor on his throne or the Emperor in the throne room uh, I mean, yes, it does appear on Dixie Cups and various other things, but not to that. And you could have had, you could have so much play feature in it, and even not just that. Think about the second Death Star entirely. It's there's, there's not a lot for that. So I've just put another image and text chat there for you to look at, guys, and that is the full display of the Empire Soul Room. And I would have loved that as a kid, and I thought that was brilliant. So that's my entry. Not a lot on that one. 
Uh, Jason, come up to you then. So what do you think that's a not a lot of from Pete's idea there? Well, before we uh, we get to uh, the Return of the Jedi and we discover that Leia is in fact uh, the the daughter of uh, Darth Vader and therefore Luke's sister, um, I'm pretty sure in some of the earlier films that there's several scenes where they kiss, and I'm pretty sure by the time we get to the Return of the Jedi, they they, they, they didn't actually use those particular shots in uh, very many uh, very many things because uh, no, nobody likes a bit of incest, really. I think is. Uh, that's my that's my contribution. I don't know if it's right or not, but I wouldn't imagine they'd be uh, very keen on uh, images like that. Jason would have to go with an incestual moment. <laughs> All the things he could have picked. <laughs> He's right though. There's there's not a lot of incest <laughs> in merchandise. Well, yeah, he is right. I mean, there isn't, is there? And Pete, back over to you then. Is is other than the cave scene you've described? Did you come up with anything else? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's why it kind of inspired me to ask the question, really, because I, I thought, yeah, I mean, that's that's a cracking scene, really. It's a real, real, you know, dark scene, and I, I, I try to find anything on it, and it was the same image that 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 image had appeared on several of those uh, sort of notebooks and notepads and stuff. But um, I mean, some of my favourite scenes uh, don't have, you know, merchandise as such. There's um, obviously there's nothing on, well, apart from cards. I've never seen hand being tortured, which I love that scene because it was just so evil. I thought he's torturing Han, you know, one of our heroes, and he's torturing. And when I was a kid, it never occurred to me the reason why he was being tortured. But that is a that's a horrible scene. In modern figures, they actually did release a Han with torture rack. I've got one because I, I love that sort of. Not love the scene. It's, I was fascinated by it. But I think I think there's other, there's other things like there wasn't a great deal of trash compactor moments, but there should have been really because I mean you could have made all sorts of things out of that. Games and, and all There's sorts of things. There's one in the PowerPoint There's a trash compactor in there. No, 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 but the actual scene, so, you know, there's actually lots going on. But, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, tons and tons of items on it. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think anything a little, a little bit distressing, they obviously didn't really really go for it, really, with uh, with merchandise. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hand torture rack when I was a kid. I could have torched all sorts of Star Wars figures with that on. been great. And, Andy, anything that you've got to come and map this up? It's a difficult one. I mean, I must, must say I focused more on the kind of merchandise. I, mean, I think you've discussed the sail barge and the Sarlat pit before on the on the podcast as the um, the Parker game showing that. But there's not actually a lot in terms of, of, of a toy. It's such a major scene in the film. Um, very late in the day, you could get the, um, the skiff. But actually acting out that scene, you couldn't. Um, I think it does appear in a, in a few images, but the other other thing I thought of was um, the actual homestead. So you know, very very key to Star Wars, where Luke starts out from, but not exactly full of sort of action play. But having just watched the Simpsons episode where Marge gets violence from um, Itchy and Scratchy Band, the uh, the homestead could be kind of a very safe safe playset for those children that you know maybe weren't allowed guns and things you could get luke luke and and pretend someone else's aunt baru and have some blue milk in there and, and stuff but yeah it's not it's not exactly it's not over a lot of things though is it the um well not that i can think of anyway the the homestead i want scene. i want that place I've, I've actually been to the set in tunisia and i must say i i want i want a place out with that with the blue milk can you think of anything that does show the the homestead on you know, the tins and 
Yeah, they did make again. They did make a modern one. I've got the modern one, um, and and you got a Womp Rat with it. You got a Baru and Uncle Owen. You got a Stormtrooper, and you got those little uh, moisture evaporator things. I mean, it was a really nice set actually. I mean, it had been great, I and mean, it looks a little bit vintagey as well. It's not brilliant. It looks a bit cheaply made, but uh, you can pick those up, and it's a cracking display piece for your vintage figures, although you don't have Baru. But uh, you know, it's good. I've got you, I've not got another couple based on that. Um, you've you've got Charred Aunt Baru and Uncle Owen. You don't really see a lot of that, and uh, Jawa Bonfire. <laughs> 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 yeah, a jar bonfire would be great. You could you could put a jar bonfire, light it up, and put your marshmallows over or whatever. Whatever normal people cook, I know Americans do that. But yeah, I mean, I'd like a quick look at Homestead on STBC, and there's not anything really. It must have appeared on also the cards and stuff, but nothing in there. Trash compact stuff. There was a jigsaw and there was some cups and stuff. And it is in it's in both um, it is in both Death Stars it's in the Kenner and the uh, the yeah. Palatoy one. Because I was thinking with the the detention block layer in her cell is such an iconic image when he opens the door and there she is but in terms of vintage items i don't recall a lot with her you know like a pencil case with layer on her cell cell bed and certainly i can't think of the i can't think of the palatoy one but i'm sure the kenner one doesn't it doesn't have that that part to it it has a trap door you can drop down into the trash compactor which presumably is from the cell but it's not like a cell scene yeah, I mean, torture scenes, it just seems to be, you know, you, you've got Leah with Darth with that, that you know, the Dr. Ball MD of torture behind him, you know, loitering, ready to torture. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't see I mean, anything a little bit harrowing. They they seem to have avoided it with uh, with those sort of things. What about, what about the um, what about Death Star implosion or blowing up? Was there a lot of that doing the rounds? The explosion? I don't think so. And also, uh, well, I'm adept here. Is, did, the, did the final image change anyway of the film? It's not it's, in the earlier, earliest issues of Star Wars. The explosion is is different from slightly later ones. Or have I just made that up? They yeah, definitely they, did it. They beefed yeah. it up in special in the special editions. They beefed up. Yeah, you had, you had that big ring of fire kind of thing. Yes. Out, and I, I would think that they've probably redone it again in the. 57 versions they've done since then but uh, uh so i can't you know i'm just trying to think of what the original one looked like anyway because it's the special edition or later one that i think it was your standard kind of sort of just kind of blast <laughs> and then they in, in the special 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 edition you can clearly hear mcclunky being said as the death star explodes <laughs> it's tricky when you collect things like dixie cups and things like you see a lot of scenes but uh, yeah, I, I was just focusing mainly on the second Death Star and how little there is, considering that second Death Star was such a pivotal scene in Jedi. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you know, how much? How, what about the the rebel, the uh, the the Endor bunker? I mean, that seemed like a, a really good thing to have, but I mean, they didn't, I mean they, again, they made a modern one, but they didn't really make much of that lovely bunker scene. Yeah, so great scene ideas there, guys. Go take a while to edit that one down, but uh, yeah, good stuff. So let's move on to the latest acquisitions or newest acquisitions that we've seen out and about on Facebook then. So, Peter, I want to come to you first. Have you spotted anything on Facebook or on the forums that you like to chat about? Well, technically, it wasn't really an item. It was actually a video that Craig Spivey posted, and it was all about stuff we've covered recently. So it was actually a, 
um, an original TV ad for the March 1978 issue of Lookin, which had the free lecture set transfers, and, and it's actually it's actually quite a cool little uh, advert. And I'm assuming it's not uh, widely available things like YouTube and stuff because it was posted into the group itself. So hopefully we'll have some audio to play just here. Star Wars breaks out in Lookin this week. In every copy of Lookin, there's an out of this world free gift, two rub down color transfers from Star Wars, and there's a free competition for Star Wars models, plus an interview with Harrison Ford, and a color pinup of Han Solo with Chewbacca. And Lookin also has the latest adventures of the man from Atlantis, the six million dollar man, and the biotic woman, plus a big pinup of rich kids. So look out, Star Wars explodes in Lookin this week, and may, and may the, the force, force be with you. With you. Funnily enough, in my letter set focus, I am actually looking for that copy of Looking. <laughs> All I've found so far is a fridge magnet on eBay. There was Sorry? one I was on the other day on eBay, which got withdrawn. Oh, uh, no! I was winning the bid, and it disappeared. <laughs> and I contacted the seller. Sure it wasn't a fridge magnet? No, it was the it's actual. It was the actual looking issue because I was winning it. And I was well ahead. And I thought I'm gonna win this easy. And about two hours to go, it disappeared. And I contacted the guy. And he said, oh, I've lost it. Not the dog. Get it? That's all oh, right, mate. The dog is eating it. And I went oh, right. Well, I'll, I'll have what's left. No, no, the dog has eaten the whole thing. But anyway, it's a really good advert, and uh, yeah, that's, that's something I've not seen before. And if you and you guys seen it before. The, um, an advert, any adverts on looking crikey who's ever got those must have got it from a video or something but uh... yeah probably right Andy anything that you spotted yeah I um, saw a great pickup on Star Wars Forum UK page 2425 they're really racking them up over there now and uh, that's from Pon- Poncho uh, Chris Dawson and he picked up six brand new old stock sealed 1979 read-along records. Have you, have you seen these? I mean, yeah. I've, I've got an Empire Strikes Back one with Yoda on. Uh, he's, these are the Star Wars ones. Um, and I, was, I looked into this a little bit. There's a great article on the uh, Star Wars Collector's Archive by Kevin Lentz. talks about all the different read-along books and cassettes you can get. And apparently in the UK, uh, we only had the cassette here. We didn't get the, the records for the... Um, for Star Wars, so I don't know. I don't know where uh, Chris got his, but they're uh, by Buena Vista, which is a, a Disney subsidiary, and they've been publishing read-along books with records and tapes since the early 1970s. Uh, and so, and it was the, the first to use photo stills from an actual movie, the Star Wars one in 1979. So they are absolutely fantastic. I would quite like a, a used one, so I could I could put that on my record player. And I've, I've done it. It's uh, the Empire Strikes Back one. Certainly has. R2-D2 beeping, I think, when uh, when you have to turn a page, and the, the Star Wars one was that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, nice nice item there, but to find six of them in one go, it's a great little pickup. I love those things. I mean, you can actually you can actually go on YouTube and people have actually put them on there, or the audio, so you can actually enjoy those R2-D2 moments. This is the story of The Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page... When you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. So I remember having the Reddit's Lost Start one with, I think it was a, the bull whip crack to, <laughs> to, to move the page. There was a, a few like Star Wars ones which weren't part of the main kind of line of Star Wars. I, I got that Robot Wars one, which is, which is fantastic, uh, with Cliggs and 
which is a great story. But yeah, they're, they're, I, I love those. I've got all the Empire Strikes Back ones. I just love you know the tape, the the records. Um, they're just absolutely brilliant. I used to love them. I used to play my my Raiders of the Lost one got played to death. And so with the Empire Strikes, so there's just is it just the one with the Yoda on, but on lots of different formats? Yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a few. I don't think I've got the whole every single version, but I've got yeah the Yoda one on a tape and a record. Or nice, yeah. I think um, as as ever, whenever I hear about things <laughs> on the podcast, I just want to go and buy them. So I won't be on eBay whilst we're doing the show tonight. I don't want Richard telling me off again next time. So uh... right, we'll come up with Jason next. I'll keep making the last because I'm going to blow the three years out of the water. So Jason, <laughs> oh, it's competition now, is it, Richard? Competition now. Yeah, so this is revisiting the story of the Palatoid 12A Death Squad Commander. So essentially with Palatoid, the, the cards came out and on the back it has a land speeder, TIE fighter and X-Wing. And on the TIE fighter and X-Wing it says with lights and flashing sounds and stuff like that. And obviously the Palatoid versions of those vehicles didn't have that. So they printed all these cards, which on the back said they had lights and sound. So what did they do to fix it? They got all the cards that they'd printed and they put them through the printing press a second time and it basically black, put black ink, a big black rectangle on top of that text, blanking it out, giving us the 12B card. Now, certain figures are only available on the A card and certain figures are only available on the B card. So you don't, we've never seen a hand solo that's on the 12A card. And what that tells me is that they obviously thought Han Solo was going to be a very popular figure, and they actually carded all of those figures before they figured out that they had this mistake on the back of the card, which they needed to correct. And the other thing that you don't see is we've never seen a Jawa or a Death Squad commander. And what that tells me was that because those figures came later on, they'd already got all the cards and put them through the printing press by the time they carded any of those because the figures were so late. Yeah, so um, so basically, we've never seen the 12A Death Squad Commander until six years ago, where this auction appears on eBay for an open card. And there's a picture of the front of the card and the back of the card. And I'm like, oh, that's a 12A. And you can tell, I, I could tell from the way there was a kind of mark on the, the punch and there was a crease on the card that it was the, it was a picture of the same card. And I said, I'll put that on the matrix. And there were some people in the community going, well, you, you know, you can't really do that. It really needs to be a mirror and image. And we don't think it's the same card and there's been a mix-up. So I left it on there and it caused a lot of debate over the years with people saying, why, why have you got that 12A on the matrix? So I took it off at the start of this year when I did I did a cleanup and I got rid of some other cards where I'd been told they did exist and we hadn't seen any decent evidence of it. And I thought, well, you know what? For that card, we need to see a mirror image picture. And then a few weeks after that, after I published the Matrix and I, I said it's not a verified card anymore, uh, I was asked for some valuations on um, a set of cards that Steffi Kohler had. And one of those was a Deskwad Commander. And of course, I looked on the back and I was at that point, I'm, I'm looking for a couple of missing 12C cards. So I looked for that. I didn't look to see if the Deskwad Commander was a 12A. And it's something that I've done on every card I've seen for about 10 years at least and I, I didn't do it on that lot and of course Steffi put the lot up for sale Dav Gill came along snapped up the Death Squad Commander and hey presto it's a 12A so he published a video uh, showing both sides of the card and I just said well you know my new instructions say you must show a mirror image of it and he had sent me 
a picture of the front and the back of the card. So I made him take a picture in the mirror, expecting to get, you know, the kind of a picture with most of the card in it held up to a mirror. But no, there's a picture. It's a full-length mirror with Dad standing next to it, kind of holding it at his hip and kind of posing. So anyway, um, you can see both sides of the card. So I'm like, well, it's it's there. And it, for me, it's the second known example. So Dad's was the first verified version to fill the criteria for a mirror image picture. But we have seen another one, which makes me think there must be several of these things. There's at least two. Uh, hopefully there's more because, again, for my 12, 12A run, um, I'm missing that card now. So, um, yeah, so I'm kicking myself about that. The moral of the story is always check, always check, and always check. And congratulations to Dad for having, and once again, having an excellent eye. Um, he, he spotted the 12C variation back in 2018, and he, he spotted the 12A Deskworld Commander. So hats off to you, Dad. Fantastic job. Keep finding new things to put on the Matrix. Right, awesome. Yeah, I spotted that as well, that 12A. So, again, echo your congratulations to Dav there. Well done. So, the item that I'm bringing forward then is, I'm just going to put in text chat for you guys now. And this was posted by Wolf. And we all know Wolf as being the guy who is behind the uh, the variations. The is a variant villain or something he went by. Um, but this is Wolf Lipinski. And he's posted a picture of a bootleg Hungarian Y-Wing and it's absolutely amazing I have seen one before over on TIG a long time ago um, this one is sealed but when we say sealed it's kind of in a an orange bag what you would probably expect to see oranges in or something like that so there's an orange fish fishnet type bag and inside there is something that clearly resembles a Y-Wing and there's a little figure in there that resembles a Playmobil or a Fisher-Price kind of figure. Uh, and that's absolutely brilliant. Joe Y, who's obviously the bootleg expert, he said that he's actually seen one in an actual box before, uh, but this is only the second one that he's seen in that orange bag. Uh, so that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, just to give a little bit of information on it from Wolf, because I, we don't know too much about it. And he said, it's not a great picture, but behold, the second known Hungarian Y-Wing in original packaging. There is an orange one, but not known where it ended up. This piece finally is evidence now. These were definitely sold. They were produced in 1983 or 1984 in Hungary by Schenk. They made bootlegs of Playmobil Giobra, usually, but did produce those to fit for the Hungarian, and I can't even pronounce that. It's, it's definitely not going to be Silagok, but it's, it looks as though it's spelled Silagok. To advertise their own Playmobil bootleg run, they threw in a random figure. This piece is absurdly rare, even without the packaging, and there's plenty of variants and stickers and colours and accessories. You can have the turret or the R2 instead. And there is a sticker on the bottom, but it's not known yet what it says because he has to translate it. But I love the fact that both uh, the the wings have got 569 written on them. <laughs> I wonder what the significance of 569 is. But it's absolutely awesome. So well, well done, Wolf, for, for finding that. Um, incredibly, incredibly rare find in any condition, but to find it still sealed is absolutely brilliant. Uh, EB find of all things. It looks like Fisher Price to me. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It doesn't. Um, it looks more modern. I was interested to hear what uh, year it was made because it does look more recent than that. The play. I mean, Playmobil hasn't changed in. Uh, 
in decades, is it? So the, that's that's not a giveaway. But the um, something about the engines or something. If, that, if I saw that down the market as a bootleg today, I wouldn't be surprised. I've never seen that before. Anyway, it's um, it's a fantastic item. And so, um, what what group did he post that up in, Richard? Did you say you saw it? He posted it in the bootleg and knockoff group, but he's also got it on his homepage as well. So I got I got I got to have another look there. That is fantastic. Awesome set of purchase there, guys, and even in these times of pandemics and things, there's still things like that popping up on eBay, and literally in the last hour or so, I've noticed that Evan Wasserstrom, who I mentioned last month, had just got the Sears card back for the Lobot. He, actually on his birthday, has just managed to acquire a fully sealed Lobot. And that completes his Canadian mint on card run. So that's absolutely fantastic. Well done, Evan. There can't be too many full sets of Canadian skin wrap card collections out there. So awesome job. Right. I think it's time now to head over to the quiz. So let's get cracking. Right. And so let's go over to this month's quiz where Andy Spoons is going to make his debut in the quiz take. So let's see how it goes. Take it away, Andy. Thank you, Rich. Well, tonight we have the Speeder Bike Chase, that popular ITV programme with Bradley Walsh, I think uh, Jason's favourite actor of the, the Doctor Who series. I think that's right, isn't it, oh, Jason? It certainly is. It's, it's not Doctor Who. It's called The Bradley Walsh Show, I think you're right. The Bradley Walsh Show. And what the, what the chase is, for those that haven't ever seen it, which was me up to about three days ago, is essentially a rapid-fire round of a minute for each of the of the players. And depending on how many questions they get right in the minute, they have that much money to accumulate for uh, for the grand final and the, the teams put all their money together and that's what they would win in the in the real chase the issue is that they have a, a chaser after them who's also answering questions and if he catches up with them they're out of the game or they lose their money so i think without further ado we shall start so richard if you're going to be up first it's age and profession are you going to share that with the the viewers richard sure Richard Hutchinson, 43, and I am a school teacher. So, Richard, your minute starts now. First question. What weapon was Vlix issued with? Rifle. I'll give you that, yep. Number two. What 12-inch character was released on Lily Lady packaging, but not on Kenner? Tuscan Raider. Very good. Number three. What was the first offer seen on Return of the Jedi card backs? Magnum. Correct. Number four. Name a character that was only available as a mail away on 65 backs. One of two. Correct. Number five. Who pilots the die-cast TIE fighter? Stormtrooper. Darth Vader, sorry. Number six. Which US disinfectant had a flying disc offer? Painsol. Correct. Oh, we're out of time. That's very good, actually. Six questions correct. That's £6,000 on the board. And it's at this stage that I'm going to introduce you, the chaser. To, I tried to get the beast. I tried to get the vixen. But unfortunately, the only person available was Andy Presto Magic's Preston, fresh from his father's from Quiz Triumph, to come in. Welcome aboard, Andy. Good evening. Right, so Rich got six questions correct there. 
£6,000 on the board, which means that he starts on the board three spaces ahead of you. If he gets three questions wrong and you get three questions right, you've caught him and he's out of the game. He could start closer to you if you were to put some more money on the table. Any any figure in your head for that? I think 26,000. 26,000. So, Richard, you could start with a two-space head start for £26,000, a three-space head start for your £6,000, or if you want to take the uh, the chicken option, £1,000, you can have a four-space head start. What's it going to be? 26000 No matter look, every question will be about vintage British products, but... The beauty of this current no-school lockdown, my youngest daughter has made me a very high-tech chase board, which um, I've put on the show notes. So you take my word for it. You are now two spaces below Andy. This is where it gets complicated. We're going to ask the question. Richard, you answer first, and then Andy can either say the same as you, which doesn't gain him any spaces, or he can say the correct answer and try and catch you up. Possible choice. Which country did not have a die-cast license? And your options are A, France, B, Japan, or C, Argentina? Richard, A, B, or C? Ooh, I'm going to go... We've got Argentina. Argentina. Presto Magics? I'm going to say the same as Rich. I'm going to go Argentina. Very good. You both move... One space down the board. Richard, question number two. How many B-wings are depicted on the front of the Tri-Logo box? A, one, B, two, or C, three? I haven't got a clue. Uh, I'll go two. Andy? I'm going to go different here. I'm going to say three. Outstanding, Richard. You're escaping the chaser. Which of the following is not a Kellogg's C-3PO's mask? A, Yoda. B, Luke Skywalker. Or C, Han Solo. Ooh, um, I'm going to go with Han Solo. Andy, I'm fairly confident Rich is right there. I'm going Han Solo as well. You are both correct. Han Solo, it is. Which of these is not part of the diecast Takara Zetka line? A, R2D2. B, Landspeeder. Or C, Millennium Falcon. Richard, I'm going to go with the Millennium Falcon. Andy? i got a feeling Rich is right, but I've got to catch him up, so I'll say Landspeeder. Richard was right. Essentially, he gets his next question right. He banks the £26,000. How many HCF pencil top characters were produced? A, 10, B, 12, or C, 14. That many. I'm going to go 10. Andy? I'm going to go 12. You would be right, Andy. So there's still a chance you can catch him. How many Wonder Bread trading cards were released? A, 14. B, 15. Or C, 16. I'm going to go with 16. Andy? Way out of my comfort zone on this one. Uh, 14. Richard is correct. £26,000 in the bank. Well done there, Richard. Grand in the hand. Yes. Well done, Rich. Fantastic. What is your name, your age, and your profession? My name is Peter Davis. I'm 46. I'm a government assassin, but uh, don't anyone believe that. Fantastic. Sounds very exciting. It is. All right. And uh, are you you worried about our chaser this evening? It's pretty tough. 
I'm only worried about who my next target is and who the government will give me. So let's hope it's not Quizmasters. <laughs> <laughs> right. I shall just reset the timer. This could be bad. This could be bad. And uh, your minute starts now. Question one. What year did Palatoy stop manufacturing toys at Colville? Oh, crikey. Mine uh, five. Correct. Hey. Number two. What does AST stand for in AST5? Um, oh, uh, armoured transport. I don't know. Uh, very close. Armoured Sentinel Transport. I'll give you that one. Three. <laughs> hey. Which blaster does Han Bespin have? Um, the Han Bespin has the... Um, uh, oh, 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 what's it called? It's the normal blaster with the... Uh, the you want to move on? Blaster. Go on, yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, Aerial Aces was recycled by Kenner to become... If you've been listening to your Vintage Rebellion podcast, you should get this one. Oh, okay, what's it called, then? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it should be the other way around. Next, I got next, it. <laughs> next one. How many Death Star plans are stored in the 12-inch R2-D2? Two. Two is correct. Yes. Three questions, right? That's three thousand pounds. The the blaster that Han Bespin has is the Bespin blaster. Oh, no, no. I was thinking it's not called. You can't call it Bespin blaster. It's called the Thing Mahumani. Yes, get and the the aerial aces as featured on um, on uh, the uh, Star Wars Forum UK. I can't remember who bought it now. No, it was on Facebook. Was uh, became X-wing aces. That fantastic electronic if game. If you don't go around, I'd have got that against. Our chaser, who is so smug, a torn-torn kiss couldn't wipe the smile off his face. That came out wrong. <laughs> smile off his face is probably more accurate, to be fair. Smile off his face. Um, I'm going full Bradley Walsh on you here. You have £3,000. What's he going to offer you, me? You start with a three-place head start on that. Chaser, have you an offer to uh, encourage Pete to start higher up the board? I'm feeling generous. 30,000. 30,000. <laughs> or, Pete, you can start three spaces up the board. So you'd only have four questions. Might, might need this. If for a thousand pounds. Oh, oh yeah, let's take, let's take a grand. Yeah, my charity. <laughs> the charity oh. I'm there for is rubbish anyway. So I'm just going to, you know, it's the Jason Smith Panini uh, Foundation on my charity. So uh, I don't want to give any more money. So I'm going to take a thousand and see what happens. Thousand pounds, right then. Chaser, are you ready? I'm ready. First question. Which characters were released in the series two special action figure? That's the three packs villain set. Okay. A. Boba Fett, Sand People, and Snaggletooth. B. Stormtrooper, Darth Vader, Death Squad Commander. Or C. Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and Death Star Droid. A, B, or C? Villains. Ooh, I don't know. So a sounds quite good. Gonna go for A. Andy? Yeah, I've got a feeling that Boba Fett was in the villains' second series pack. And I, I think Pete's right. I'm going to go A as well. <laughs> Don't tell me I'm right. I'm impressed. That's uh, good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got that. So, well done. It's called lucky guessing, Andy. Right. Lucky guessing. You're moving down. Go, oh, the tension. Oh. Andy's got a long way to go to catch you. Well, I hope so. Which, which makes makes for a better final, I must say, rather than Andy on his own. 
Next question. Cool. Which UK toy store, right up the Chaser Street, this one, did not give away an in-store Return of the Jedi poster? A. Tesco. B. Toy and Hobby. Or C. Asda. Maybe or C. Crikey on a bike. Uh, no idea. Um, ooh, who's the most dullest? Uh, for the t- Return of the Jedi, yeah? Yep. Uh, I'll say A. Tesco sounds a bit rubbish. Tesco. What, what are we saying, Chaser? I'm going to go C. Asda. Oh. You would be correct. <laughs> oh, he's gaining, he's gaining. Can of he course he's going to gain on that one, isn't he? <laughs> he's probably standing outside the store with his little hands going, give me the my poster. <laughs> well, something a little bit further afield now. How many figures were released in the Japanese Popey line? A, 15. B, 16. Or C, 18. Oh, crikey on a bike again. Oh, it wasn't a lot, was it? Uh, I, ooh, I'm ready to... Oh, I can't, oh, I'm going to do A again, just for the fun of it. And for A, Chaser. Total guess, this one, but uh, again, I've got to try and catch him, so I'm going to say B. <laughs> Pete is correct. It is 15. <laughs> oh, oh, in your faces, <laughs> wherever you are. Got away with that one. One more to get. How are you on more japan questions these are actually a random order these so which company released models in the wood collection I've slightly given away the answer no i haven't a sukuda b takara or c popey oh christ on a bike again uh, uh i know it's one of one of two <laughs> I'm going to say Sakuda, just for fun. I'm pleased you said that. <laughs> Why? Chaser, Chaser, <laughs> what are you saying? It's a slightly educated guess, I think, Takara. You are correct, Chaser. Oh. And the, the reason I wanted you to be correct there and, and Pete wrong is because of the next question, which I've just, just noticed, which Thanks. links in with my latest acquisitions. How many image panels are on a Scanlight lampshade? A, 10, B, 6, or C, 12? I guess the question should be, how many panels did you get for the post uh, <laughs> rather than the actual amount that you're supposed to have? Uh, it's going to be, it's a hexagony thing, isn't it? So it's going to be uh, 12. Andy? I do have one of these. I happen to know he's right. It's, it, it is 12. Well done, Pete. You're through to the final yes. with your 1,000 added to Richard's 26,000. A 27,000 grand total at the moment. Can Jason add to that? And that 50-50, me and Rich, you know, we've done, what was it, 13,500? We've done well, huh? So, Jason, what is your name, age, and occupation? My name is Jason. My age is 51, and my occupation, I, I, I work in, I'm one of the boys who works in IT, so I turn things off and on again quite a lot. Excellent. Important job. An important job. Right. Your minute will start soon for your for your questions. Uh, let's see how you do. So your minute starts now. Question one. Which company produced the glow-in-the-dark Return of the Jedi erasers? HCF. No, it's Butterfly. Next question. How many levels does the Kenner Death Star have? It has four. Correct. 
Question three. How many Kenner 12-inch figures were released? 96. Uh, well, I think you might have missed so we're moving to the next one. Uh, which Star Wars character plush toy produced by Regal Toy Limited was only available in Canada? It's a toughie, that uh, one. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Sorry. Which, which figure line was used to create the prototypes for the first 12 Star Wars figures? Uh, again, I don't know. Sorry. Well, that's not the, the greatest round. Um, I'm afraid not. You've got well. It's okay. You've got you got a thousand pounds on the board. The uh, the answer is there were twelve kind of twelve inch figures released. Um, the plush toy was the Jawa, and Fisher Price toys were the uh, the prototypes. So thousand pounds. What are you going to offer, Andy? I'm going to offer a really high sum. I want to catch him. I'm going to offer fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. You can have six questions to answer, or going to offer you five hundred. And you just have three questions to answer. Oh, Can come I... on. Let's have uh, let's go for the 50 grand. Come on. 50 grand, no, a brave man. Pull this, pull this out of the hat. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. First question, and I think this one might be more up your street, Jason. What is the Italian for land speeder on the Harbert diecast cards? A, hovercraft scooter. B, hovercraft speeder. Or C, hovercraft go-kart. B, hovercraft speeder. Hovercraft speeder. Chaser? The answer, I think, is A, hovercraft scooter. You are correct. This was, this was a bold bold move by Jason there, going for that 50,000. You are on his heels, essentially. You get this next one right, and he gets it wrong. You've got him. What sound is not on the Imperial troop transport? So these are the buttons around the top. Darth Vader breathing, A. Stormtrooper speaking, B. R2-D2 beeping, C. I'm going to say A, Darth Vader breathing. Chaser? Jason's right, it is Darth Vader breathing. You're both correct. A good sound, though, isn't it? Next question. Which character is represented twice on the cardboard insert in the Star Wars Collector's Carry Case? Is it A, Tusken Raider? B, Jawa, or C, Stormtrooper? C, Stormtrooper, let's guess. Chaser? I'm sorry, I have to agree with him again. I think it's Stormtrooper. It's a good guess, Jason. You're moving down that board. You start on your heels. Three questions to go to to get off the board. Next question. How was Darth Vader misspelled on early badge and T-shirt imagery? Was it D-A-R-T-H-V-A-D-R-E for A? For B, D-A-R-F-V-A-D-E-R? Or for C, D-A-R-T-H-V-A-D-A-R? A, B or C? Oh, it's got to be C. Andy? It is C, V-A-D-A-R. You are both correct. Two questions to to go. Come on. Squeaky bum time. You're all an expert on uh, Japanese Star Wars food, I assume. Which of the following is not a genuine Japanese Morinagi? I think that's how it's pronounced. Star Wars food. A. Slim stick. B. Fatty bun. Or C. Caramel strawberry. Jason. I'm going to... Be fatty bun. Fatty bun. 
Andy? Uh, no idea. I'm going to have to disagree, though. I'm going to have to say Slimstick. Jason, well done. <laughs> you get this next question right. You're in the final. Which character is not depicted on the Trilogo Rancor box playset? A. Luke Skywalker Jedi. B. Rancor Keeper. C. Gamorrean Guard. I'm going to say Luke Jedi. Chaser. I will say Rancor Keeper. You are correct, Chaser. So close. Right, one more. Come on. Come on, Jason. You can do this. Which licensee used import stickers on die-cast cardbacks rather than print their own? A. Sakara. B. Meccano. Or C. Clipper. You, you do know that I am trying to collect every single diecast card back there is, and I haven't yeah. got any of them yet, and the answer is Meccano. Andy? I can't argue with him, Meccano. Well done, both. What a thrilling round that was. Jason, congratulations. You're into the final. I think in the history, certainly in my experience, of the chase, that I don't think anyone has ever pulled it out of the hat like that before. Um, you're all through to the final. So what that means, it's three of you into the final, you get a three space head start so i'm going to ask you two minutes worth of rapid fire questions you'll whatever you get you'll have three added on to that and then i'll ask questions of the chaser if he scores the same or more than you he takes the money um, if he gets any wrong we'll pause the uh, the timer and you have a chance to get it correct and he will move back a space which is where it's going to get very complicated so richard pete and jason would you like question set A or B? We'll have A, please. A, always oh, gone A. I can't believe we're going to have to blame him for going wrong. Gone A. That's quite exciting. Oh, don't say that. They are, they are totally random questions. They really are. That old story. Your timer start. Now, question one. What animal were the Dewback's feet mistakenly modelled on on the Kenner toy? Elephant. Correct. Question two. How many backpacks were included with the Atat? Four. Correct. What part of Snaggletooth did the designer add a personal touch? Balboco. Correct. <laughs> Question four. What is the main difference between a maiden Mexico biker scout to a regular biker scout? Mask. Short yes, mask, long mask. Yeah. That. Yep. Question five. Which one of Rich and Andy's favourite singers sings on 1980s Christmas in the Stars album? <laughs> John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Question six. What colour hair does the rarest Kenner Luke Skywalker figure have? Orange. Correct. Question seven. A U on a Kenner card back signifies what factory? Unicorn. I'll give you that. Unitoys. Question eight. What record label is Mecco Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk released on? Universal, isn't it? No, Incorrect. you might, sorry, you might, you might, no. Incorrect. What uh, toy was repurposed by Palatoy for Action Force? War Boy School. Other than the TIE Fighter. Oh, um, wasn't the TIE Fighter? Oh, was it one of the minivigs? Oh, pass, pass. What company manufactured coin purses? Touchline. What but smile. Luke, smile. Which Luke Skywalker figure was released on the Kenner 45 cards? Uh, pass, keep going. Uh, time, the time's up. You want to get this one? Oh. So one of the Luke Skywalker figures. Luke Hoff. Correct. 
That was a good good round. If Jason yeah, well done, Jason. You may have nailed that, haven't we? <laughs> it was Unitoys, the U, but I, 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 I knew know. that. Um, I so that's, that's nine plus your three head start. So 12 spaces. Andy. The chase is on. What offer is on the Revenge of the Jedi proof cards? Akbar. Incorrect. I've stopped the timer. Richard, Pete, Jason, if you get this, Andy moves back a space. Although he's currently on no spaces, so I don't quite know how that works. That, that, we, that, we that means we, we get an extra winning point, effectively. So <laughs> so he has to get 13. If yeah, we he get has to get wrong. 13, okay. Yeah. Nine up, that is correct. Well done, Richard. And Andy, I'll be starting the timer again. How many Sakuda board games were released as per Pete's feature of a couple of months ago? Four. That is incorrect. It's three, isn't it? Is, is that your answer, Pete? You I think it is three, yeah, I think it's three. I've stopped the timer. You are correct. I'm going to start the timer again, Andy. You've now got to get 14 of these right. Good luck, Andy. Right, timer starts. What is different about the first Han Hoth Loose figure produced. Pass. Ooh. Richard, Pete, Jason. Oh. Um. What was the question again? I said loose, so it can't be the cardback name because the cardback name did change. Pale face. Pale yeah. face. Is that your answer? Yeah. No, but confirm a bit more. Are you? Th- are you sure that's co- sure pale face? Is it not possibly molded legs? Is it oh, not it one be. of the billions of leg variations on the first ones? It's not some random arms. I stupid. Right, we'll go I'm happy with Peel Face. Go Peel Face, go. Unfortunately, it was Moulded Legs. Um, ah! Buddy Jason. <laughs> oh, shut up now. Well, Rich just trying to take us home here. We start again, right. You've got to get 14 correct still, Andy. Um, um, a lot of these questions are on previous shows, so you should, should be all right. Right, let's go. What character was included with the Snowspeeder special offer? Luke X-Wing. Stop the timer. It wasn't oh. Luke X-Wing. Oh, he's on a mare. What character was included in the... Basically, the free figure with the, sn- the special offer Snowspeeder. Could have been Rebel Soldier, maybe? It's going to be something like that, or it's going to be one of the... It's going to be one of the odd kind of things. Yeah, we'll go with that. Off Rebel Soldier. Well, Jason's redeemed himself. It was the <laughs> Rebel Soldier. That's what he is. Right, Andy. 15. <laughs> Just 15, just 15. In a minute and a half. You can do this. They get easier now. That's right. So they obviously chose well with the question set. Andy, which company made Galaxia bootleg cap guns in Spain? Pass. Yeah. Stopping the the timer. (laughs) Should it got to be PPB or could could it be Boris? It's bootleg. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Spanish bootleg. bootleg. They were made in Spain or were they sold in Spain? No, I don't know. Don't know. It was Redondo. Oh, we should have known that, Redondo. Amazing. Can we start the timer again? Andy, the Vintage X-Wing isn't red five, it's red what? Four. Oh! Sorry, Andy. <laughs> is it? This is, you have the, the chase is having a mare. What's going on? He's having a mare. Should we, should we give him some answers like, to help out? Make it more <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this before. Is it two possibly, there, Pete, Jason? It, it, it's certainly not five because we just that one's wrong. So two is is not five. So I would say that that, that could well be the right answer. Or two, Pete. Two sounds good to me. Two. Or red two. Unfortunately, you're both either side. It's red three. Oh. Right, Andy. They're they're doing your favours here. So this this one 
What change was made to the hatch on the TIE Fighter for the Return of the Jedi release, also on the TIE Interceptor? So the first TIE Fighters didn't have this, but the later ones did on its hatch. Uh, is there some sort of closing mechanism? Keep it closed? Unfortunately not, <laughs> team. The slots. It's the slots on the hatch, or the vents, or whatever you want to call them. Is that, is that what you're going for? Yep. That is correct. Right, Andy, 54 seconds to get 16. What colour is the glass light tie interceptor? Or glass leeting? It's blue. It's incorrect. It's a silvery thing, isn't it? It's silver grey, yeah. It's whether you want to want is you wanna want greys or want, it's it's more silver. Um, yeah, I will go with silvery. Silver. Uh, silver silvery grey, we'll cover both bases. You're correct? Yes it is. Andy, come on. <laughs> Keep what coming. Is, what is different about the back of a loose Takara stormtrooper? Has he got a bolt in the back? Fantastic! Which figure has a handbag as an accessory? Ignore. Fantastic. Which name change did the Death Squad Commander have? Star Destroyer Commander. Fantastic, he's on a roll. What was the first offer on the Empire Strike Back card fronts? Display Arena. Stop the clock. Card fronts. Um... First offer essentially that yeah you would see on an empire thing it was a secret was, could it have been the secret action figure guys you know the, the, yes, the boss it board. was on the bob fett wasn't it no boba fett was on the um, star wars card no i'm saying yeah there was there was there was some kind of fat thing yeah yeah i think you're yeah, right the with secret, the, the, the secret, secret action figure yeah. so final answer yeah correct you're doing well at these these stealings you've got 31 seconds left andy <laughs> okay you're gonna get these does the ATST driver have his goggles on his helmet or over his eyes? Over his eyes. Correct. How many Kenner Daikar ships were released? Eight. Stop the clock. Oh. Daikar ships? Twelve. I want to say twelve. I think that's assuming including. Hang on, let me, let me go through. That was a ship. <laughs> Jason, stop cheating. I think no. it's twelve. I'm, I'm, I'm just... He's, so he's, he's, he's a pound in his collecting room. Twelve. Or twelve. Very close, it was 11. Ooh. I was wanting Richard to answer this question, but unfortunately not. Andy, what is Italian for Star Wars as seen on Harbert cards? Guerra Estelari. Fantastic. Time is up. It was a great late comeback there, Andy, but it wasn't to be. You got five spaces. Richard, Jason and Peter got a total of 18 spaces. Well done, lads. Well done. Well, you hey. go home with £77,000. Oh, good times. <laughs> I write the cheque in the morning. trees deal or no deal but what's the deal vectis palatoy rep goodies 
The rebel base is on a moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Right, virtual trees, Richard. Have we gone into some sort of like Minecraft modeling mode? What's going on? You're very close to that, actually. So, Father's Farm should have been on May the 3rd, and we were all looking forward to it. We'd all booked with hotel rooms way in advance, and then obviously the coronavirus pandemic had put a stop to that. But Dave Trey being Dave Trey, he says, you know what, I can still do something for the community. So, on May the 3rd, at 2pm, he started the beginnings of 10 hours of vintage panels and content and these were live streamed in three parts and I think those parts are available in different places on Facebook and on YouTube and they were absolutely brilliant so part one started off with the best of British a galaxy of vintage Star Wars collectibles and that was our very own Andy Preston who took a video of his absolutely amazing British focused vintage collection and there was stuff in there I was looking at and I've never seen that before or there were things in there where I was told that this item is impossible to find and he had one there um, it was just brilliant and I could have watched that for another hour there was so much stuff in there absolutely top job Andy it was brilliant and then moved on to collecting in the 90s and that was led by Dave Tree and Dave Tree had talked about his inspiration for Fathers From how it started off with a Kive cast but also he wanted to do something that was a love letter back to the 90s and it then led into Empire Day footage which we've seen before at Fathers From but it was nice to actually sit down and listen to it all in one go and that was absolutely brilliant and it ended up with the Star Wars General Knowledge Quiz which I won uh, I was Going to always go do well in that because there was lots of EU questions. So it was a really, really good, enjoyable quiz. So, so well done, Dave. I think out of the three, that was my favourite. We then moved on to part two. Part two started with Mark Newbold from Fanta Tracks, and he interviewed Anthony Daniels. And it was one of the most relaxed interviews I've ever seen Anthony Daniels in. And it wasn't about him trying to plug his book or plug any kind of tour that he was on. He was very much relaxed and he was very much talking about um, his time as C3PO. Some listeners had sent some questions in. He had some props in there. He had, you know, parts from the Millennium Falcon that, you know, would have been burnt along with the rest of the Falcon at the end of Return of the Jedi and how he'd rescued bits and pieces. So it was absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, then moved into an episode of Making Tracks um, with Mark Newbold and Mark Mulcaster from the Rebel Legion. Uh, that was really interesting and then an interview with Brian Heron so Brian Heron worked on the Disney movies and he also has a, vi a vintage collection and certainly a big interest and the third part started off with the Star Wars vintage toy quiz and that was won by Andy Preston so he did a lot better at that quiz than he did uh, in, in the one that Andy Spoons had held earlier on uh, I think I came 8th on that one so, so well done and Andy Norton you were in that quiz somewhere as well weren't you? Yeah, I came, uh, I came second in that you one. Came so, second, so, yeah, brilliant. Somewhat, somewhat surprising. Mm. Um, but yeah, and Andy really knows his stuff, so uh, yeah, he was he was way out ahead. He was he, he was selective today, was he? He, he took pity on us. Um, <laughs> it was like Battle of the Champions, actually, wasn't it? I'd forgotten you'd won the first one. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That. Um, so so then, unfortunately, I had to drop off at that point because it was getting late. But it moved on to the Palatoy scrapbook. Uh, that was Dave Tree leading through um, lots of information about Palatoy which was uh, quite good and then it ended up with some musical content and in between all of that 
It was interspersed with videos from many collecting groups and podcasts, all giving out messages, um, all talking about their groups, and it was overall, it was a really, really good experience. Now, Dave Tree has advertised August Fathers From. I think we can all see that we're in agreement that August Fathers From cannot be a Fathers From like what we would know we would all go down again it's still far too early for anything like that but it's certainly possible that august august father's form could be yet another um online thing so guys i've asked each of you to have a think about it so i'm starting off with jason first jason any comments on the format of the online panels did it work for you did it not work for you what could have been better I'd just like to say in general, you kind of go into um, an event like that and you kind of have a level of expectation. And it has to be said that the way Dave presented it and the content exceeded my expectations on every level. I mean, the way he had the screen and he had a kind of split screen where he was kind of live in, in one side of it and then the content would be on the other side. And the way the whole people could type answers in and it would kind of collate all the quiz answers was fantastic. And I haven't seen anything like that online before. I thought, you know, he has a tech guy who does that stuff for him, but it was really well done. In terms of, in terms of the content, I loved seeing all Andy Preston's stuff. I loved Dave. I knew, I knew Dave had been going through his paperwork and he came out with this fantastic Palatoy scrapbook with all his paperwork in it. And it's inspired me to do my own scrapbook. So I'm, um, Actually, my my empty scrapbook with all the you know it's kind of see through sleeves that you can put things into arrived today, and uh, I'm going to start filling it up. So, um, but in terms of um, looking at the form of the online panels again, they they were very well done. The Mark Newbold did both the interviews, and he's kind of in. I think you know he's 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 interviewed Anthony Daniels kind of several times before. This the way the way the format worked for this, it was kind of split screen, so there was a screen with Mark in, in his house and then a screen with Anthony. And I, I haven't seen that many Anthony Daniels interviews, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mellowing to, to Anthony. I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot of old school collectors for various reasons, you know, not particularly keen on, on Anthony Daniels, but you know what? He, he did a great job on that. And I think the way he comes across now is so much better than he used to be. And he's worth giving a second chance. If you haven't listened to him, I'm actually contemplating going out and buying his book and uh, seeing what he had to say about Star Wars over the years. So, yeah, that was very good. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Awesome. So, Andy, thinking along the lines of Star Wars Celebration then, so they tried to do something May the 4th. I'm not sure how successful that was, if I'm going to be honest with you. Very unlikely that celebration is going to go ahead and who knows what we're going to end up with with other cons. So Celebration do online videos for those who can't make it and yes they're very highlighty and you get what you get but is it possible that things like Celebration and other cons could still go ahead but in some kind of online format? What would that do for you? Uh, definitely. Um, I've, I've been really sceptical actually about the amount of uh, online things going on in, in this lockdown and thoroughly enjoyed Dave's efforts for Father's from it was kind of at the back of my mind it was happening um I was I was fortunate I just kind of I've forgotten it was starting at two I just checked Facebook saw it started so watched it from point one and in particular Andy Preston's walkthrough as, as Jason said it, it was it was just absolutely phenomenal tons of stuff there I hadn't seen before so a series of 
walk through some people's collections like that would go down really well. I mean, and it went on for 10 hours. People wouldn't have to, have to sit there for the 10 hours. I didn't have a power nap, but I, I did miss the interviews because uh, of, of family commitments. I had to get everyone's dinner ready. That's important. I had it on in the background, but I wasn't really listening. Um, but I have read Anthony Daniels' book, Jason, and I do, do recommend that, but I'll, I'll catch up on those later. But as an event and a community and, and seeing friends and, and acquaintances commenting and watching with you i thought it worked really well so the idea i'm just thinking back to uh chris Fawcett's walk rounds on the celebrations was that was that the germany one it's only one it wasn't a british one because I, I was there but it was shown videos uh, walking around the r2d2 collectors things like that but so so the r2d2 builders if they can't make it to a celebration they could do a film of what they're doing, of, of building an R2-D2, stitch that together. I, w- I would watch that. And if you know that you're you're doing it with a community, it's, I think it's a really good experience. Um, I, so, yeah, I think it would definitely work. It, clearly, I don't think have as many people as attend a celebration, but um, it would certainly have, have an appeal. I suppose the question is, you know, Dave's very altruistic. He, he's, he's a collector. He likes the community. He's done this out of the goodness of his heart. Would something as big as celebration do that out of the goodness of the heart? Or would they monetize it? And I suppose that then asks a different question. Would you pay to watch videos of people's collections of talks? Again, you could, someone could do a presentation. We, I mean, presumably we're all, we're all seeing those with work. You as a teacher, Rich, I assume you're, you're doing some online content for your students. And, and certainly most of my meetings are online at the moment. So. Would you pay though to hear to hear a Star Wars collector talking about something? I'm not not so sure on that one, but as a as a concept, with everyone joining in, it would definitely it would definitely work. I don't think I would pay for anything. I you know anything anything that's come out of celebration I've seen so far. I don't think I would pay a subscription to watch it. Um, it's fine watching it on YouTube, but you won't pay us. But no. I think I think what we need as well. So you do need that host holding it together, and that's you know okay. We we do for the panels at celebration, whether it's the sort of the big celebrity ones where you might have Warwick Davis piecing it together, or the couple of DJs they get up there, or for the smaller ones, um, I have collector uh, kind of hosting something like like Gus. But for the online content to work you do need a dave tree kind of introducing and cutting back otherwise if it's just a series of youtube videos that are unconnected i'd imagine people i'll just watch that on my own time and then actually if they're anything like me they don't get around to it i mean that was i wanted to watch the anthony daniels interview from fathers from and when was that now it was two sundays ago wasn't it and i still not got around to it but if i actually book out that day to sit down and watch it than I would have watched it at the at the, uh, at the time. So Pete, how could online cons work then? Um, I think the things like sales, uh, reveals are fairly obvious and stuff like that, but you know, how could you see them working if we went ahead that way? Yeah, put all the pressure on me, Rich. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, for a start, I didn't, I haven't actually seen any of the footage. I was so busy on Sunday with other other things. I, I'm not a good person to watch online content. I know that sounds completely crazy since I spend most of my time on a computer. Um, I just have to do some, I have to have hands doing something. I have to be interacting in some way. 
So I'd have found it quite a struggle, I think, to sit down for 10 hours and watch it. But the concept, I really, really actually, you know, I think it's going to, I think ongoing, if enough places do it, they could really, really come up with something brilliant, you know, because, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a time period now where we can, we can experiment with all sorts of um, interactivity with online stuff. And I think this is probably the, you know, the, this, this is going to really help ongoing, you know, even when we're back to mixing, I think people will have more interaction on these things. But I think when it comes to, you know, I mean, I, mean, I think things like quizzes are great. I think that, that I, I was thinking, how could you do a kind of sales thing? You know, could you have a Salah in like a, a meeting room or something with a bunch of people in, you know, not too many who are negotiating prices or maybe you shove someone into a Zoom room and uh, they actually talk to the seller. You know, they've got like 15 minutes and maybe they can go through some of his stuff and make some offers and stuff. And uh, and you kind of book, you know, you're placed in the queue maybe to go in there and actually talk to the seller and try and organize a deal. So you have a one on one with the, with the seller, maybe something along those lines. Could help. Or maybe you can go in and browse his items. I mean, there must be a it, online. It already tool. happens, Pete. Yeah, yeah, but, there's, but there's about, online there's online auctions that happen all over Facebook no, already, and they're very successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking keeping it into to a format of a show, so you do it, you know, as a part of a show. I know, I know the technology is there, but I'm talking how do you make it a little bit more different? It would so, work. It would work, Pete. Actually, if you uh, one of the issues of house party, I've got some friends on house party, so I've joined yeah. on that. I don't like it at all because it's so intrusive. Yeah, yeah. People just suddenly pop up on your phone. But if you had a seller standing in front of their, you know, like like a, a physical store, so standing in front of their their items for sale on the table, yeah, they're it. just waiting in that that room, and you, as an attendee of that online uh, conference, can just pop in and say, yeah. "Oh, hello, what exactly. what have you got?" So you you can you can then talk physically, so you're not communicating through uh, messaging whatever you're actually talking to them and you can say oh i like the look of that palatoy tauntaun you've got there can you show me the contents exactly so yeah i mean it's it just trying to build it into a to a, a period of time so let's say if you did it over a weekend for example you know you know when that seller will be available um it could be done you know and you could have a one-on-one with that seller maybe book it in or um you know i mean what happens at farthest from you know people are just standing around looking and listening and yeah, maybe you could go into that negotiation or or watch it or just look at that guy's individual items. He, he wants to sell it at that time because you know I think it, that that would make a little bit different. You know, something that's a bit different than just watching presentations. And of course, you know, you could if you were the person running it, you could do your normal of you know charging a small small percentage of every sale. You know, nothing major, just enough to cover you know cover you know helping with costs or or whatever. I think. I think there's a lot of things that could be experimented with and done. Like I said the, the house party. I use the house party app as well, and it's really odd. <laughs> it's a really odd thing to use. It's quite funny if you've got a set of people who are up for it, but I was totally lost. I was like, what's going on here? I think people need to start thinking sort of like, you know, a little bit differently rather than just shoving content at you. Can you be more interactive with people? You know, can you offer something different? Because but at the end of the day, when you go to a convention, you want stuff in your hand, don't you? You don't just want to go and get some visual feast. You actually, when I go to celebration, I go there to, I know I'm going to watch a big presentation of something really mega, which I think if celebration went online, they'd have to do. Um, you could reduce the space. You, you could increase the spaces of people watching, but make it exclusive. And, uh, you know, maybe have a post that can be sent to you or maybe have something that could be 
bit more exclusive to just those people rather than the the cluster of of people grabbing stuff as they walk out of a room maybe it can be a bit more exclusive and and you can make it a little bit different but uh i think you've got to have something that you can send to people or they can get their hands on otherwise it's just a, a show online you know you've got to try and do something a bit different maybe you have a a pack you send out beforehand i don't know i don't know jason would you collect virtual swag <laughs> Um, I, I do have various virtual collections. I'm, you know, I, I, I've been using the Star Wars card trader around. That's what I was saying. Um, the tops, yeah, since the, the day dot. So, I mean, I have, I've done a few of those things, and I, I don't think it's any different from, you know, the, the, there's pictures there, and you get gratification from collecting the pictures, and there's not that much. That for me, there's not that much difference between the fun of collecting an online album of say the last World Cup, Panini did an online album and I had great fun completing that versus having the actual album. Because the problem with the actual album is you can't go down to the playground and swap with your schoolmates because you're 51 and um, you don't go to school anymore. Um, yeah, Stafford schools, Jason, we've heard about these things. You just, you know, just stay away. But yeah, I, I mean, personally, I can't do virtual stuff like that. I can't, I, I would not be interested in virtual pictures. To me, they're just an image can be copied really easily you can screen grab it you can do whatever you want with it i just i mean for me i think a lot of collectors would be the same just like nah nah i'd have to have something physical produced from it um i mean i mean it's crazy on on star wars card trader i mean i had uh it's the image for it, it's it's one of the novels where the, the the image is of the death star on fire and at one point the the digital image for that card i could have sold on ebay for more than you could buy the book for and, and people would buy it because it's a rare card and it's a really nice picture and they'll pay money for it virtual cons well there could be some limited use of them i think um if celebration had have recorded video footage and they could have had interviews with some of the guests i think that could have been broadcast maybe the collecting track panels could still have gone ahead in some kind of way i know jason wouldn't collect virtual star tots but it would have been nice to see some of the presentations that guys were working on. But they'll all keep, I suppose, and we'll see you all at the next celebration. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Richard, you have become the Noel Edmonds of this podcast. Uh, deal or no deal? What's the deal, Rich? I think a couple of our medical friends haven't got that because a couple of guys on the mock group had posted memes of Noel Edmonds. So Noel Edmonds is a game show host from the UK who hosted a programme called Deal or No Deal. So that's where the link is to that. Thank you, Richard, because I, I didn't get that either, not having, <laughs> not having seen it. Now, the Deal or No Deal group has been along for a long time, but it's really exploded again in the last few, well, probably not even months, I'd say one month. And it's a group where you as a seller would post an item and you would describe it and you would have photographs and you would state how much your postage would be and potential buyers would start making offers. So just say, for example, somebody said £100 and the seller would come on there and say no deal and the next guy would come along and say 110 120 150 200 whatever and it would just keep escalating up until the seller then decide a deal or I've started to see this more often close I don't like that getting close 
because if you're getting close you had your price in mind anyway so you may as well have just sold it um, but never mind it, some people like it some people don't now a comment from Brian Angel um, got me thinking and he's put the hashtag honest concern for discussion this page is awesome but there are a few flaws that are slowly eroding confidence in the page if something is listed on this page and there are multiple bids and the seller decides to do a private deal via PM and doesn't notify anybody and just deletes the post then what are we all bidding on to begin with? Are people just using these pages to fish? Are they using it to get unofficial valuations and complete the deal that they were already working on? In either event, it's a waste of a lot of nice people's time and killing the vibe that makes this page so fun. I'm not here to rat out anybody, not here to make a big stink, I'm not here to complain admins, just to start a healthy discussion on the topic and hopefully influence some positive change on the page to source some things up for the future. Fact is, this is the hottest Star Wars page on Facebook and a lot of us admins of other pages have sent people over here and made a part of our discussions and the fun of quarantine. We all have some skin in the game. And I, I get a lot of what Brian's saying and they have changed a couple of rules because of that. Um, within what seemed like a couple of hours, there was 180 different comments on Brian's post. So it really took off. So Pete, I'm going to come at you first of all. I don't know if you're part of the group, but... Just say, for example, that I've got, and it seems to be a lot of prototype stuff, seems to be a lot of modern prototype stuff on there, a lot of non-Star Wars items, a lot of items that are Kenner only, uh, a lot of pre-production from other toy lines. Um, so just say, for example, I wanted to sell my three-pack, and I put on the page uh, AFA 885, I can't remember what it is now, uh, Droids three-pack, uh, take all the photographs, I'm willing to ship it for this price, and people start bidding. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I always I always thought that with these groups which are selling stuff, I always thought uh, one day they're just going to become eBay without the fees. And uh, this is just another step towards that, you know, because if you're on an eBay page, you've got various options now. You put your item on. Um, you can put a buy it now on there. You can also put make me an offer. And, of course, if people are watching your item, you can send them an offer and say, hey, you fancy buying it for this. And it just seems that we're just getting closer and closer to, to something like that. You know, people walk past, go, I like your item, I fancy it. I, I've, I mean, I mean, I've, I've been watching it, some items, and people have made ridiculous offers because they don't know what the price is. I don't think, I don't think I've seen too many people who are making lowball offers on purpose to upset anyone. I mean, I wouldn't have a clue on some items. How on earth would that be? I might go and look on eBay and say, well, how much did that last go for? But if it's like a, a an item like you've just said, which you may not have any idea on that item price wise um i don't know maybe, maybe you have someone who says look i'm looking at, at, at maybe i want to get about this much for it make me offers maybe that's a better way of doing it and, and go from there i just think i i, I don't know I, I don't really have that much of a, an issue with it i think if people want to make a deal off off the group then surely that's up to them isn't it i mean does it does it kill anyone off i guess in, unless it was an item that which is really cheap and everyone wanted Fine, but um, I, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the major issue here, Rich. To be fair, I think if people are mature and we're all mature adults, how's the vibe being killed if it's if people are you know getting their stuff sold and people are wanting it? I mean, always going to be people making deals offline because they don't want to put their their details on their public and say I'm I'm going to buy this, you know. Right, somebody's got a I don't know an invoice from Kenner, right? How do you value that? And well, somebody exactly. else is interested in it. So you stick it on the deal and no deal page. 
it tops out at $200 and nobody seems to be budgeting for $200 and then the seller then uses that as leverage in another deal and then deletes the original post. Again, I, I, I just don't have an issue with it. I think if if if, if one person is going to offer an, an amount, I mean, I mean, I thought the whole point of no deal, deal, no deal was if you don't want want to sell it to anyone, you don't. I mean, whether that's price or person. I mean, if I let's just say I don't want to sell stuff to to you, Rich, I might say, oh, well, Rich, Rich is he's just going to pass it on in a, in a year's time or something. I know you wouldn't, but let's just say I don't think I don't like you. <laughs> I mean, don't I have the right to, to refuse everything and just take the best deal? Remember, it's taking a deal. I don't have to deal with anyone, do I? What's what 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 are the regulations on these groups? Do I have to take the best offer, or do, or can I just refuse everybody? No, you can refuse anybody. Um, so that that leads into Jason's point actually, which comes next. So Jason, is this kind of group best for buyers, or is it best for sellers? The trend with Facebook is just the hot new thing, and this is the hot new group. And last year there was a raffle group called Star Wars Battles, which was the the hot thing then, and we all talked about it. And my feeling with this is it's going to be successful for a, a bit, and then people will get bored with the format and they'll go back to what they were doing before. I think because um, that that tends to be what happens with these things. In terms of um, who gets the best deal of buyers and the sellers, it's the people who get the best deals out of this, the people who are really canny, and the people who aren't, aren't canny are losing out. Because if you don't know what something's worth and you're bidding way over, then you're going to get burned. And as a seller, if you're taking an offer that's way too low, you're going to get burned. So if you're going in there with no idea what something's worth, you, you know you, you could get taken advantage of. It's as simple as that. But that, that's the same whether you were doing it on that Facebook page or in a private deal. So, you know, the standard ways of doing things, which is to ask the community for a valuation of what you think is worth, is good. But then there's always the case that somebody could pay way more than that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of thinking back to the time when um, I was asked for an evaluation on a, a baked bean wrapper. And it was like, oh, you've been offered 200 quid? Well, that's good. 500 quid, buy the guy's hand. And, you know, and, and it sold for like 1,500 pounds or something. It all depends how badly somebody wants something as well and how much money they've got and, and whether they'll just pay it. So sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Andy, I don't know your experience on this, but can it be used to force through deals? And do you think some people are just too worried about missing out? I think the answer to that is probably yes in terms of people being worried about missing out. Um, Jason's just alluded to it. it is the um, it's the next big thing. People want to see to be be part of something, but I suspect that is a minority. I actually really like it. I, I've not seen any problems with the format so far. Yes, somebody putting up an item. And then deleting it shortly after is a bit daft. But as Pete said, if it's, um, you know, if you can refuse to sell to anyone, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. I mean, what's the point in deleting it? If you're not, if you're not getting the offers that you want, then why not look elsewhere? If anything, I, I think it's a really good leveler. I don't think people are being sort of forced into buying stuff. I've seen stuff that's, that's sitting there that's clearly a little overpriced people bumping things quite regularly 
saying any interest, whether that's, you know, whether it's just the pool of people that aren't interested in that item and, and the person could get a better price elsewhere, or whether actually the, the market's cooling a little bit and things that might have fetched a decent amount of money a year ago is now kind of half the money. In fact, I've had an interesting experience on it in that someone offered me an item as a, as a trade item. They wanted something that I own and, and they offered me something and, and they said they valued it, what they wanted to trade at a thousand dollars. And I, I didn't value it anywhere near that. And, uh, and then I saw it on deal or no deal. And needless to say, the offers coming in for it were way under a thousand dollars, a couple of hundred, I think from, from memory. And I don't think it sold in the end. The person wanted to keep it. They had a lot of money invested in it. And, uh, and, and that's their prerogative. But what will be interesting actually, because it's almost like this is a pricing mechanism. You know, I'm watching it. I've not, I've not tried to buy anything yet, but I'm kind of noting what things are selling for. And that's, and that's pricing me. So there's been quite a few transparencies on there uh, at various prices. That's to me is setting the transparency price. So I think one sold for about $150 today. Uh, if someone comes on tomorrow with one for $500, it'd have to be pretty special because in my mind, the, the price is now $150. The, uh, the other interesting phenomenon I've seen is people accepting a deal too quickly. So they've, they've got, they've got an item. Maybe they're, maybe they're in a rush to sell. Maybe they're not that bothered about how much money they get. Um, get a few, get a few offers in quite quickly and then accept the third one a couple of hours into the auction. And then other people, the way, you know, you know Facebook, people can still comment afterwards, not realizing that it's sold. And I've seen an item sell for $300 that subsequently got bids up to $500. And if it, if it had been left for a day or two, might have got more. So I just find the whole process really interesting. But in terms of are people being hard done by? Are people being forced into? I, th I think it's probably the most transparent buying format out there. And you only pay what you want to pay and you only accept what you want to accept. It, it is like eBay, but it's like eBay without the fees and you're not forced to accept a low price. If I put something on, on 99p on eBay and it sells for 99p, I've got to sell that for 99p. On deal or no deal, I can decide to keep it, and and I quite like it. So I think if I was if I was about to sell anything, that would be the um, the forum for me. And also the amount of interesting stuff being sold on there. I think if I was about to buy anything, it's probably the forum for me as well. Maybe rich that they should put. A, you know, you could build in a time limit, or you could have an option for a time limit. So you say, right, over the next twenty four hours, I will take the best offer. But if a best better offer comes in, I will I will take that. And then you know maybe maybe have that option that uh, if someone comes in with a higher a higher bid, you can do it over a period of time. But you know, I think you've also got to look at who the who, who who's selling as well. I mean, this wasn't a deal or no deal offer, but this happened today. I saw Steffi Caller, who's got like the the most complete set of instruction sheets and paperwork that that, that is out there. And it was what he'd advertised was the very first Paratoy X-Wing, the, the Empire Strikes Back one without the battle damage. It was the, the instruction sheet for that. And he, he was like, 200 pounds. And I was like, wow, I've got one of those. And the most expensive thing I bought was a set of Palatoy Death Star instructions that cost me 100 pounds. And I thought those were really expensive. And I was like, Steph, you, you know his stuff. 
And five minutes later, it sold for £200. And I'm just like, wow, what what do I know? Obviously, you know, Steffi's the seller and he's the expert and he's got it exactly right. He could have got more maybe. But, yeah, look at who the seller is and it'll give you a, an idea of um, what the value is as well. Yeah, some good stuff there, lads. So check out the Facebook group Deal or No Deal if anybody wants to join and find out what all the fuss is. I also believe that Mike Havens over at the IC has made some kind of Deal or No Deal IC buy-sell page kind of group which has some of the similar rules and some differences. So check out that one too if Deal or No Deal is not for you. Rebel Base, one minute and closing. Vectis Palatoy Rep goodies. Well, we got some things we can buy, Richard. Well, have Peter. It's been a while since we've had a decent Vectis auction. This one has got some nice Palatoy items in there, um, nice tri logos, and this one is on May the twenty-sixth. So, if you said there, it's a Palatoy Rep who has bought some things out, um, and there are obviously other items that they have had in storage for a while now. Uh, May the 26th, so this podcast will probably be released around about that date. I'm not too bad about naming some of the items that we might be after. Uh, one of the items, well, should I say two, um, there are two Palatoy R5D4 45As. Now, I've got the 45B and I've got the 45C, and my understanding is that 45A is the easier of the three to get, although they're still incredibly tough. So there's two in this lot. I am very aware of one collector who wants one of them, and I'm also aware that there are Palatoy collectors who are expecting to bid big on one or both of these. So I'm not going to go silly because at the end of the day, if I don't get one, I don't get one. I'm more than happy waiting. I'm not throwing daft money at them. But um, I would love one of the Palatoy 45A or 5D4s. Now, what's going to go for us is that they, they're in fair condition. The bubbles are quite yellowed, so I'm hoping that that's going to put off some of the big Palatoy guys who can be quite fussy with the condition of their items. I think I'll come over to you, Jason, next. And so, Jason, what is in that auction that has tickled your fancy? Well, the one thing of note for me, which uh, I, it, it's, it's to do with miscards. So, obviously, the the most common miscards you get in uh, in Palatoy land are the Trilogo miscards. And then there are a couple where you get um, you get Darth Vader on a um, 65 back Chewbacca card, and then there's one with Lando Calrissian, and that's it on the Return of Jedi cards and Palatoy. Those are the only known un- unknown miscards. There's like two or three. This is a German miscard, and I've never seen a German miscard before. And this one is Black Bespin Guard on an Imperial Commander German General Mills card. And I've just never seen one before. Um, obviously, I had a look at it and thinking, well, has, has Tony been up to his... Uh, Toy Tony been up to his normal tricks? But it looks legit. It, look, it looks fine to me. It's just... It, it's, it's, a, it's a missed card that they put together at the end of, uh, end of the run. So that's very interesting. And Pete, have you had time to check it out? Because I think uh, you're one of the few people who I know who hasn't purchased a thing from Vectis, if I'm right. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> but people just go silly. So, no, there is, there is a little thing around, actually, that I thought, ooh. Um, it's a big bunch of VHS videos, loads of Doctor Who, but in there, 
and it's, it's estimate is not very high because it's VHS. But VHS has its collectability sometimes. Um, I can't, I don't, I'll have to look, go and do some research on it. But it looks like there might be the pre-special edition Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in there, I think. So I've been trying to get those on video for a long time. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it'll pass people by because it is a big lot of Doctor Who videos, which are, again, collectible themselves. And, and there's a few random other films in there. And there's a set of Star Trek nonsense and some just complete garbage. But uh, yeah, I might, I might, I might have a little, little go at that. I'm not, don't want to pay the earth for it. But uh, those three videos, I think I've got the widescreen at the first ones I've got, maybe one before that. But I don't have the before they started messing around with it editions. I think those died and got thrown out years ago. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're sort of like hiding there in a little lot. So it might be quite, a, quite a cheeky, cheeky bid on those. Might have a go on those. Hmm. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah, I quite like that actually now that you mentioned it. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to bid though, don't worry. Not for me, I've got too much crap. Right, <laughs> Andy Norton, anything you spotted? Loads of stuff. Far more Action Man actually than, yeah. uh, than Star Wars. Lots of Action Man loveliness there. It always fetches a good price at Vectors, so I, I rarely win much there. I have picked up a few bits of Star Wars and Action Man over the years. But I was interested to hear what Jason was saying about those German 45Bs, because that's because not being an expert on toy Tonys, seeing so many German carded items, I did wonder whether um, they were Tonys, but it sounds not, so that's good. And also, and you mentioned, Rich, the, the R5D4, there are a lot of 45As in there, and, and being someone who's after a hand Hoth 45A and has been for a long time, I was, I was really hopeful that there would be one, with it, but there isn't. But what I did see that, that I'm interested in, and it's, this is something I've been after for a while, and, and like you, not prepared to overpay, so they're, they're not common by any means, but they do come up, and that's the Empire Strikes Back diecast Millennium Falcon. And uh, I think I mentioned here and other places that the, that the Empire Strikes Back diecast items, the, uh, the big ships like that, are as rare as the TIE Bombers. But just not as desirable because they're, they're quite common loose. So I've been after a, a card, a boxed Falcon Imperial Cruiser and a, and a Y-wing for a while. But they're not; they don't fetch big money, so I'm not not prepared to overpay. But I've definitely got my eye on that. The other couple of items I, I would like to buy. There's a Bacta Tank Luke from the Micro Collection. Now, not long ago, I sold off all my um, my boxed micro stuff but i do have a few of the sort of unproduced figures and i'll be interested to see what what that goes for so obviously the back to tank set wasn't ever released but got quite far in the production uh, phase so there's a few of these uh the figures from it knocking about but you know in, in the whole vintage line that's the only way to get luke in the back to tank so that's that's a good figure and uh and similarly they got the the death star world from the micro collection so it's got all the sets from the from the death star sets in one big box and i thought as having had sold everything and as is often the way kind of ruining it a little bit and and wanting things back again i thought that'd be quite nice to uh, to start the collection up again by buying that for other people there's a couple of nice items in there i don't know if you noticed there's a, a loose final cape jawa with a torn cape and i suspect that might be a, a way of someone picking up a relatively cheap one of those and going back to the die cast there's a there's a set of just the cards and boxes for a Palatoy diecast run. So if anyone's got the loose ships and wants to put together a, a reseal run relatively uh, cheaply, then that, that seems to be a, a, 
a good way of doing it as well. But there's some interesting items in there, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there are. It's not a huge auction by any means, and it's possibly we've said this before, been spoiled by some of the auctions. I just hope it doesn't go for the crazy money that was at CNT auctions, something like that, went for last month. I'd be happy with one of your 45 A's and didn't get carried away in all the hype. My name is Michael Carroll. I write Judge Dredd and other stories for 2080. Also, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, or at least I was. I haven't followed it as much as some people have. Fairly recently on my comics blog called Rusty Staples, I took a look at every mention of Star Wars in the pages of 2080. When we did the Panini thing, one of the guys came up on your blog, and we just couldn't believe the, the amount of detail in it. It's like, this is incredible. You've gone through every single issue up to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore yeah um, yeah I did I, I poured through every issue of 2000 AD uh, well I it started because I was looking through old issues for something else and I kept spotting Star Wars stuff and I went back and started logging everything and I realised it might be an interesting post for Rusty Staples and the whole point of Rusty Staples is to come up with strange things or you know funny things or just something a bit unusual and Star Wars has always been a huge love for me and 2000 AD started because star wars was on the way and to th- i was i was nearly 11 when 2000 e came out so i was the exact right age for it and it's i mean it's been my life ever since i write judge dread for 2000 e now i, I write sort of, sort of other things so it's basically it's putting food on the table wow i didn't know that <laughs> there you go yeah um so that yeah but that is actually my day job is writing comics um and, and and other things I write, you know, novellas and stuff like that for for uh, rebellion, Judge Dredd related stuff. But Star Wars has always been a huge, huge love, and I just thought Star Wars appears a lot in 2008. Let's start making a list, and, and then I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad idea there. Yeah, I don't know, but that comes that brings me to Star Blazer. Have you heard of Star Blazer? You Does might have missed well. Star Blazer was seen a, it. A, yeah, it was a science fiction version of Commando. And it was brought out on the, well, basically on the heels of 2080's success, but also because of Star Wars' success. So Commando, um, or sorry, uh, the publisher of Commando, uh, DC Thompson, decided we'll do a science fiction similar uh, comic. And it's got stories by people like Grant Morrison and, and all that lot. I mean, big people. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, Star Blazer went for 
years. 1979 to 1991, 281 issues. There you go. So again, because of Star Wars, it, it this launched a whole new sort of tiny cottage industry of, of uh, comics, science fiction comics with star in the title. I mean, Star Lord, Star Blazer. I'm sure there's a few others, you know. Um, Star Wars was huge. You you don't well, sound yeah, old no. enough, Peter, to to to, uh, <laughs> to have been around in 19. 19- oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was yeah, I was uh, 74. I was born. So ah, first, yeah. my first film at cinema was Star Wars. Oh wow! So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. When I was well, just turned four, and I can remember parts of it. And apparently, I fell asleep at the end. But oh, uh, yeah, I mean, and that was it. And it was never really really into that much else. Uh, Six Million Dollar Man, wow. uh, Hulk. Things like that, then it's straight to Star Wars and, and the robots. Obviously, yeah, all the droids were were, were my thing. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you know the answer. If there is an answer to this question, but I mean, we had like the US Star Lord, and we had like yes. the 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 comic Star Lord. Yeah. I mean, that what on earth went on there? What how on earth did that ha- was even allowed to happen? Yeah, Star Lord the comic came out in May '78 um, in the UK. Uh, this is their basically spin-off well effectively a, a spin-off from 2008 like a it was supposed to originally designed as a more grown-up version of 2008 yeah. so May 78 that came out but Star-Lord the Marvel character came out a couple of years earlier I think but he wasn't really well known however in Star Wars Weekly they started running Star-Lord reprints I should say at the uh, same time and I think it was the same week that Star-Lord's IPC comic came out or IPC Star-Lord came out so it was May 78 they both happened at the same time. But I, I don't think it was a um, it was deliberate. I'm sure it was just coincidence. You can't really... Unless Star-Lord, the American character, had been trademarked, there wouldn't have been a problem. And then, of course, you could argue that one of them spells, spells Star-Lord with two words and one spells it with one word. And, you know, there's a long yeah, way to argue that. I can remember that. Uh, I can remember Star-Lord, and like, like you said, in the Marvel Weeklies. Because, I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't collect them at the time. I collect them now, but... At the time, I remember seeing it, going, "What? No, who's this guy? He was he wasn't in Star Wars? What's going on here?" Yeah, because you know, as a small kid, he just like, I was always annoyed by the fact that it was only like, you know, a quarter of the comic was Star Wars, and the rest of it was other characters, and that used to annoy me. And that and I think that's probably why I stopped buying them until Return of the Jedi comics started coming out, and I was more into it then and understood it. But uh, it does make me laugh that the fact that that I'm looking through your your blog, and straight away, I think it's what cover of. Prog 15, which is a which is early in the day. We've got we've got a Star War on the front cover. Oh, that's that's Prog 10. Let me have a look. See if I'm right. I think that's Prog 10. 10. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, that is yeah. Prog yeah, 10. You see, I remember Star this. War. Look at your brain. <laughs> yeah, I I have tremendous capacity for remembering things like this, but I'm still not entirely sure what date my wife's birthday is. <laughs> no, no that, that's not true. It's uh, it's Tuesday. But, um, yeah, it, it's something that I do, I do remember clearly because, well, because it's, it's, you know, it's Star Wars and it's 2000 AD, so it's kind of ticking two fields for me. So, uh, yeah, Star War was on the cover. Now, that was not a coincidence. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. but uh, even though in the UK we didn't, I say we, I wasn't, I didn't live in the UK, I live in Ireland, but we got <laughs> your comics. We didn't know what Star Wars was at that stage. I certainly didn't. And that that phrase there on the front cover would have been one of my first times seeing those two words together. Yeah, it was two, two issues before that in 2008. Someone wrote about science fiction films in, in one of the first letters in the comic. And... Uh, 
the, the, the editor replies, watch out for a new film called Star Wars. I think you will like it. And we did. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was trying to find any, any kind of mentions or references of Star Wars in magazines. We, we've got quite a few guys who collect newspaper curtains and they really do collect them properly. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see when you know, things like Star Wars was first being talked about. But the fact that that obviously you know, these science fiction films were 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 coming out and becoming more popular. I mean, I was trying to think of of spacey films around the era, and I thought Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out about the same year, I think, as Star it was, Wars. It was a year later, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I was trying to think what else came out right at that in that late seventies. Oh, of of the big movies. Just, yeah, yeah, just really. just I mean, Superman, just science movie. fiction in general. Superman, yeah, Superman. Super, like. uh, science fiction. As Alien came out in '79, I think it was, as a kind of a response to Star Wars, a uh, grown-up version, if you like. Um, <laughs> but there was an awful lot of cheap tat that came out of the Spanish and Italian studios, Battle Beyond the Stars, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, oh man, they're woeful. <laughs> But they're great at the same time, you know. The films can be bad and good. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so someone used to watch Blake Seven, Doctor Who. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, bad ships and dreadful acting didn't matter as long as it, as long as it looked interesting and yeah. looked cool and people died. That's what yeah. I was like. People dying. If people, I mean, you know, this, this whole thing with modern, even with modern styles, no one's dying off. You know, yeah. we, 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 yeah, we were kids at those those years. We weren't afraid of people dying. We knew people died. Yeah, That's what well, happened now. Yeah. Now you can't even mention it. I know it's 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 a nanny state, etc. Yes, it is. Uh, well, that's also true. Funnily enough, about 2008 is that we're um, we're doing uh, the regular comic, which is kind of grown up with the readers. So it's it is very adult stuff. It's not for kids anymore. But every now and again, we do um, kids specials. You know, so for younger kids to jump on, and we have to be very careful. You can't have too many deaths or murders or anything like that, even though the age of the kids reading these new regimed versions as they're called are the same age as we were when we read 2008 back in in 1977 when there was all sorts of murder and death and mayhem and bloodthirsty savage being oh it was great <laughs> i mean i mean I've, I've i mean every now and again we put a, a fanzine out and i wrote about uh something that that in part of my childhood was living in fear of being nuclear bombed yeah um and it, it affected me for years I think that's what we had hanging over our heads in the, in those areas, which, which which was a dark, dark kind of time. I mean, only now we've got a pandemic going on, or actually, uh, the kids can actually appreciate the fact that the life isn't fluffy. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, we, we did. We grew up with things like Threads and and Dead for Zachariah and all these uh, terrifying things. Um, Survivors on BBC. That was way before your time, I think. The original Survivors TV show. But um, yeah, we grew up thinking well, not so much expecting it but kind of prepared for it you know i mean we thought things like the omega man were, were sort of you know documentaries um <laughs> and now kids yeah the kids have been yeah they have been mollycoddled to a degree but then i suppose one argument would be that that our generation made sure that that didn't happen that there wasn't a nuclear war or anything da- dangerous and we kind of saved the world for the uh, the younger people that's one way of looking at it. i mean i don't have kids so i don't care um <laughs> Well, we have we have imaginary children. Uh, myself and my wife have two imaginary kids. They're great, no trouble at all. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, they've been, passed all their exams, and not one of them has been arrested yet. And you know. <laughs> no drugs or anything. Yeah, no, no, not not at all. It's fantastic. Yeah, they're they're very good. Not not a problem. Probably but, a, yeah. wise, a wise thing these days, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. No kids, thank God. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes, if you, if you have to be careful, if you 
boast about having no kids in front of people who do have kids and you see that look in their eyes where they're just about to start crying and you go yeah i'll stop now <laughs> well i i coach i coach a lot of football i coach a lot of kids football so uh um you know i'm quite happy to, to sort of say look you know no thanks <laughs> your your son or daughter is an absolute nightmare and i tell them quite honestly oh, well thank god they're not mine Yes, yeah, well, I've done that myself. I, I when I used to write uh, a lot of kids um, novels, uh, you know, the young adult stuff, and I'd go around to schools and libraries, and I spend an awful lot of time with kids. I mean, I love kids; kids are brilliant. But every time you meet them, you go, "Yeah, now I I was right. I I was made the right decision not to have kids of my own." Yeah, there. <laughs> oh, but but that said, you know, people do have kids. That's great because kids are our audience, and that's what we want. You know. Yeah, customers. You need yeah. more customers. Oh, we need that's customers. Right. It's, like, it's like me. There's no kids or football. What else I got to do in my life? Yeah. Well, just going back to uh, uh, again, I'm just kind of just just scrolling down down your your blog list. It is, and I, this is something we covered quite, <clears throat> quite a lot on the podcast, which is. Um, obviously, early, early on in the world of Star Wars, I mean, like today, you wouldn't get away with the fact that their logo or any any reference to a logo, even official or unofficial, would be, you know, you'd have the the, the Lucasfilm licensee people on the on your back. I mean, we've done stuff for um, when we've gone off to do uh, Star Wars celebrations, and if, if if we're if we're on the podcast stage, for example, um, and we're doing like a badge, we might be giving away. We have to put it through Lucasfilm's department i mean once we we got rejected because we had a badge a silly badge with some action figures on it and yeah. it used the horse luke because luke was on a <laughs> toy horse and they said they said no 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 there's no you, know, you can't do it but it's, it's a joke it's yes. just a joke no no there's no horse in star wars you can't have that and this is pre-horses in star wars but, of course but yeah. uh it, it was just it, it was that silliness so that they, they were really you know clamping down i don't know anything now you look at some of the things even the references to like star wars you know official references they're, they've done their own logos there's a wonderful spread now which issue is this in summer special i think it is it's a w- oh. wonderful thing and he says yeah. the, the logo that would not be allowed they nope. jump all over you yeah, that's right yeah i'm actually looking at that right now um that was my first ever taste of star wars that that spread in the summer special in 1977 um you'll see that if you can see it clearly there but hans a picture of han solo and chewbacca on the right which is credited as as luke skywalker takes a break <laughs> with one of his friends so for for that we didn't know that that wasn't luke until several months later we didn't know the name of his his friend and so on <laughs> but i did notice and this is I, very I, I uncomfortable I, picture that isn't it very uncomfortable yeah. he's got his arm off of chewbacca's kind of chest yeah he can't really lean on the shoulder yeah. <laughs> i did notice one of the first things I noticed was that C-3PO has one silver leg, or his, his right leg, lower half of his leg is silver, not gold. I remember spotting that back in 1977. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of the Mandela effect regarding that, that people are suddenly re- realising that C-3PO has always had one half silver leg. And they're insisting, <laughs> no, 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 I remember he was, that never was the case and so on. But I do clearly remember that. I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. They'll explain that in the film. Never did. You know? <laughs> no. But I mean, that's what I liked. That's what, you see, that's why I, I, have a, I have a kind of a weird theory about that the, the, the prequel trilogy has ruined Star Wars because things were explained. We didn't need things to be explained. When I was a kid, yep. I don't need the Clone Wars to explain. I, I, it's in my head. Oh, in my head, you know? it was much more exciting than it was in real life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it was, it was darker, really. more twistier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, we did not need to know where C-3PO came from. We didn't need to know that, yeah. that Darth Vader... Bi- I mean, 
everybody in the entire universe is related to them, to the Skywalker family. They built the robots. They, uh, oh, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And I'm, but then, to be honest, I still don't buy. I still don't believe that Luke and Leia are brother and sister. That's just nonsense. You know, <laughs> that was George Lucas or someone going. Oh yeah, we we said in the last film there is another. Oh, who could it be? Oh, we'll invent a new character. Ah no, let's not invent a new character. Let's just reuse one of the ones we're not doing much with. We'll make the princess Luke's sister, and that way we get over the problem of whether Luke or or uh, Han is going to end up with her. Oh, I don't believe that. Also, I mean, he obviously didn't. He obviously wasn't thinking about it because uh, you know he had him kiss, and you know yeah. unless you were some kind of weirdo, you're not going to uh, you're not going to be into that sort of thing. So goodness knows why I'm there. But, when, when you were a kid, were you jealous that Luke got to kiss Princess Leia? <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still. I think jealous. I was too young. I said too young things. Like that. It was like she reminded me. She reminded me of my of my neighbour, who um, I used to hang around with. And uh, she was very annoying, obviously, because she was a girl and I was a boy, and that's what boys and girls did when they were young. Oh, yeah. I don't like girls, that sort of thing. I would. That, that, that's what, she reminded me of her too much. I was uh, too young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to that, to that eight days, something I did notice that kind of like, apart from like they, they had features and stuff, yeah. and yeah, you know, with obviously the, 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 the yeah, winning Star Wars bits and bobs and LPs and whatever, then then it started. It seemed to infiltrate. You know the design. I think it was. A, I think you got a great picture of a of a Jawa sand crawler. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, from uh, it was it was a cutout game that you yeah card game like Tom Trump's type thing. And yeah, the sand crawler there. They call it a ground attack craft or something. Yeah, that's and it was like we're all there. All the fans are going. Yeah, you didn't just do that. And yes, they did. Yeah, they just stole the idea. Yeah, and it's also. I mean, actually, that's sand crawler's got. Um, something that we we picked on the day in the in the early Macquarie um, designs, he he put teeth on the front, and you can see that they they've they've gone from the, obviously the Macquarie kind of design, and nicked it. They, they've you've still got those kind of red teeth at the bottom of the of the back of or the front. I'm not quite sure what it is the front. So so when it comes at you, it's got almost like a face on it, and that they've got that Macquarie oh, kind yeah. of yeah yeah they've nicked it and gone oh, we'll we'll have that we'll have a bit of that. I just because, typed Macquarie Sandcrawler into uh, into Google yeah, and yeah. I can see it there. Wow, yeah, I never exactly. thought that so, before. But I don't. I, I mean, I mean, I, keep, I always look to see if there's a if there's a cheeky image on uh, on any of the the films that they might have taken away or put back in again, but I can't find it. But yeah, it definitely had a kind of teethy look to it. So they, so they, they've because in 1978 when that came out, that was you know pretty much you know you, you've either because in in Britain we had Star Wars at the end of 77 as yeah. as a premiere. And it didn't really come out until, I mean, I, I must have seen it. Well, I found out when I've seen it, which was April 1978. So okay. it was doing the rounds then. So it was quite yeah. late. Lots of sorts. So, so that was pre, you know, the film for lots of people actually came out. So they, they must have got that design from somewhere. And those those Macquarie drawings were doing the rounds in magazines and stuff. So Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Well, I mean, cheeky um, it, it, it was uh, the American uh, comic book Star Wars came out in I think it was June 77 or thereabouts just after the movie opened so 2008 could well have got their hands on the um, the American comic books I, I don't know but they could have but I, I yeah. didn't see Star Wars until uh, May the 28th 1978 because we had, we had like no money growing up so there was no money for the cinema and I had to save and save and save and eventually saved up enough money for the, the 50p it was to go to the cinema 
one of my friends was going again for like the eighth time with his family and they brought me along and uh that's how i got to see it i mean that's that's a year after release that's crazy yep. did, did it come out did, did you know when it came out in ireland oh yeah it came out say, here in the same day that's as awesome. it did in the uk um in in dublin anyway it opened just after i think it was 27th of december 77 and my sister saw it the day after it opened because her it was a, her friend had a birthday party and they all the kids were were brought along to the cinema and she came back and said i saw star wars and i nearly died because you know in my head star wars was mine uh, even though <laughs> even though I, of course i hadn't seen it but it was still mine and uh, and it still is by the way um <laughs> And then a few, months, a few months after that, this is worse, right? A few months after that, oh, this still hurts. Um, my parents went out for the evening and they came back and they said, oh, we went to see Star Wars. And I still hadn't seen it. I was, that was, that was a, a stab in the heart. Oh, I yes. I, they hadn't realised I hadn't seen it because I still talked about Star Wars incessantly anyway. That's betrayal. That's oh, such yeah. a major betrayal. Yeah. That's right. I could never forget it. Well, I mean, that's that's what they then poisoned for poisoned for and that's why yeah no i i didn't kill them but i <laughs> i was very annoyed um i really felt like i'd been um yeah betrayed as you say but again you know they're, they're parents parents don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> so i think i was the last in the family to actually see the movie oh my goodness yeah that's terrible i mean i i had no star wars in my life before i saw the film and there was i was too young anyway and I had other things going on, like you know, Hulk and Six Million Dollar Man and all of those sort of things. So, which is fine. And uh, and then my mom before had heard about it. My brother found out because he was two years older. Found out about it. So we got to go see this film. You know, everyone's seeing it. He was six at the time. Yeah. So the schools were, were going mad for it. And I wasn't at school. And uh, my mom thought it was, it was about um, a band. You know, oh. Star Wars sounds like a band. So that's oh, what she thought okay. it, was, it was a musical. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so 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 we bunked school. Well, he bunked school, and she did, did a matinee because it was we didn't like queuing because I mean our cinema, which is the same cinema still here, um, <laughs> that same cinema. So I've seen every single Star Wars film at the same cinema, which is quite good. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Even though I've moved away and done all sorts of things and then come back by mistake, I've still managed to get it in. <laughs> so I've seen yeah, all of them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, we we don't like queue because we. Oh, I remember having to queue for hours to get into films like that. Yeah, I remember uh, that too. Yeah, and you'd yeah, end up sitting so, in the aisle and all that sort of stuff. Well, exactly. Yeah, and the smoke is in the middle, and it was just like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I think it was. You know, she thought, right, let's do matinee, because of course it wouldn't have been out for. I mean, there'd be another film on the way, <laughs> so yeah. it wouldn't stick around the cinemas for too long. Although I think it did for a few weeks because obviously it was making loads of money. Yeah, plus of course there was they had, the films had to move on because there was only a certain number of prints, and the prints those same prints were sent all over the world. So by the time it gets to the, the smaller countries, the the film is all broken and chopped and replaced, and you know got burn holes all over it and everything like that. So the version I saw, I remember it being quite choppy. you collect Star Wars toys when you were a kid? Did you, no, I, I never did the toys. I, I think I mentioned in one of the uh, articles that uh, the, the Palatoy figures, the tiny little four-inch guys or three-inches or whatever they were, I 
hated them. I thought they were cheap and nasty. A couple of years before I got the Star Trek Mego action figures, they're eight inches tall, articulated like the, you know, their elbows move and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I loved them. And I thought the Star Wars figures would be the same until I saw them and went, oh, they're tiny little things. They move at the shoulders and at the hips and that's it. I hated them. I thought they were rubbish. And it, it took me years. I mean, literally 20 years or so before I suddenly went, no, they were brilliant because you could get two or three of them for the price of an ordinary action figure. And when you're a kid, more is always better. And, you know, you, 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 the kid doesn't care that it's not fully articulated, especially the kids only four or five or six. Yeah. So I, I was wrong. I, I should have collected them. I never did. So I had um, I used to collect any magazine that had Star Wars articles. Uh, I had a folder full of these things for years, and I don't know what happened to it. It's gone. Oh. Um, one of the uh, broadsheet newspapers back in 1977, when the film was... Uh, just about to open the cinema. So I think it was one of the Sunday papers, the Sunday press. They did a, a synopsis of the story. It was spread over two pages. And I cut that out and kept it. And I wish I could find that because it was wrong. I, mean, they, I think someone sat and saw it in the cinema in the States and then remembered it. And they got it wrong all over the place. But I remember um, poring over that, and looking at the very badly reproduced photos of you know, like Luke being attacked by a Tusken Raider and so on. And I was so keen on that. But yeah, I had a whole folder full of these things. Don't know what happened to them. Awesome. I um, I did keep, and I still have it here somewhere, though right now I can't find it. I kept uh, a folder full of bits and pieces that I cut out of of, uh, of look-in and things like that. The covers from look-in and, yeah, and so yeah. on. And anything that had anything to do with Star Wars, I kept. Uh, a lot of these things have gone astray over the years, but I still have some of the bits somewhere I'm looking, I'm leaning over now. Ah, there it is. There's my little folder. And I've got a couple of pages cut out of Star Wars Weekly, the pinups of the uh, pinup of Grand Moff Tarkin in there somewhere. And uh, there's a, here's one. Uh, it's a newspaper clipping from the Sunday People uh, announcing Star Wars, uh, May the 1st, 1983. So this oh, is wow. Return of the Jedi. And it's got a little, a little piece about, um, it's called... The face of evil in new space epic. I've got all these scans. I could send them to you. It'd be fantastic. My, my mate, uh, you probably know a fellow called James Bacon, an Irish fella. Uh, if you don't know him, he's a big Star Wars fan. He's uh, one of my friends. He is mad into the Star thing too. So one day, it'll all come to him when I die. But one thing I have here that I don't even know where I got it from. I have uh, a Kenner Toys instructions for a an R2-D2 kit. Uh, okay. it's, in, it's in German. No, I must have had the original kit and got the German <laughs> instructions by accident or something, but I kept this, and it's fascinating to to look at now. I mean, I can, I can read German, but I can't understand it or pronounce it. But uh, yeah, I just kept stuff like this that I don't know why it just seemed important at the time. But I don't know where most of my bits and pieces went. But I I had tons of stuff. I think the first Star Wars thing I ever collected. Specific, our magazine I ever got specifically for Star Wars was a copy of Photoplay, which was a movie magazine back in the 70s. Yeah. And uh, it had, I seem to remember it had C-3PO on the cover. I could be wrong, but it certainly had a, a, a calendar inside pull-out pages, which was basically C-3PO and uh, the dates. Would, I, I don't know what happened to that one, do. I had that kept away specially, and it disappeared I mean, I reckon the Tooth Fairy is a Star Wars fan and nicks all this stuff when we're not looking, you know. A lot of Star Wars fans will buy up 2008 I mean, especially as, as, when we put this out, this will happen even more. And it's a bit of a shame. People will buy the comics 
yeah, yeah. the old comics because there's ton you know it's not hard to get 2000 ad on online at all i've been kind of filling in the gaps of my collection the ones that so you know, what, how, why is that missing you know so just just kind of finish it off to round it up and it's so easy to get the issues and they're not, not expensive it's not apart from like the really early ones or stuff with 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 gifts on you know, yeah they're they're a couple of quid you know if you want oh, yeah. them and you can get them in bulk but people will buy them and cut out the palatoy adverts because obviously you know the palatoy is a big big collecting thing amongst uh, especially uk collectors yeah. and those palatoy adverts they are just fantastic it's, i mean they appeared all over the place but they, it's fact that they're actually drawn the action figures were drawn Yes. I, mean, I mean, and that that would entice any kid. I know you weren't into the action figures, but that would that would get anyone excited. I think there's like twelve or something like that. There they were. A lot of them were drawn, the early ones were drawn by Brian Bolland, who went on to do uh, just Dread characters and so on, and is now highly regarded as one of the top cover artists in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and some of his some of still work is these ones just gorgeous. But yeah, I know I I everything that had to do with 2008 uh, and Star Wars. I put into these two posts online, and um, I would have to say they got more hits than anything else on my site. <laughs> so that's pretty. Apart from the, uh, I did a piece about uh, Doctor Who magazine, where I looked at how the magazine has changed from being originally a comic in 1979 to to the magazine that's still going today, and that's got more hits than the Star Wars stuff. So that's the top one. So sorry about that. <laughs> 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 well, no, that's fine. I mean, it's it's just yeah. about that. I mean, like, yeah, we we always trying to highlight resources. I mean, this is a this is a proper resource. If people want to put together a collection of this, I've already bought stuff from your blog already, as in not from your blog, but really, that was in there. I mean, laughing at the Road Jaws film reports, and it is brilliant. There's some great stuff in there. Everyone thought that every film was brilliant all the time, you know. Now, but yeah. I mean, I can remember there was lots of criticism of of Empire Strikes Back. People thought oh, yeah. having a Muppet in the film was ridiculous oh people laughed uh, when know, i was in the cinema people laughed as soon as yoda yeah. came out and they went oh it's fuzzy bear yeah yeah, yeah. exactly people people yeah. don't realize that that that, that it was criticized at the time if you put it out now it would probably get the same criticism it is 40 years you know it's 40 years old this year isn't it yeah uh episode strikes back but uh if people don't get it and uh, <laughs> reading the road jaws view when he does mention fuzzy bear i think oh yeah i suddenly yeah. hit a hit a memory again i remember people taking the mick out because i was mad into star wars as a kid yeah. And all my mates were man of Star Wars. But when Muppets started appearing in Star Wars, I remember a yeah. lot of my mates didn't thought this is rubbish now. And of course, yeah. when Ewoks, I mean, I lost it when Ewoks came out. Oh, it's so like, sad here. Oh, I hate, hate those little furry feckers. <laughs> oh. The worst thing I just wanted to discuss, actually, was which was the, the artists of 2000 AD. Because I can remember losing the will to live on Star Wars and you know getting involved in football and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the other science fiction films in the 80s. And of course, thinking, oh, Star Wars might come back, it probably won't. I remember picking up a, a comic. But I remember yeah. seeing Cam Kennedy doing a Star Wars yes. book. He did the Dark like, Empire series, yeah. Yeah. I was telling yeah. my mates, look at this, this is 2000 AD. It's a 2000 yeah. AD, it's an artist. And I couldn't believe he was doing it. And of course, some of those, I mean, a lot of those artists from those days have been so influential in comics across the planet. That spawned a lot of big artists who are now, you know, Esquera, yeah. Be- was it Be- Bellinard Deli? Bellinard Deli, yes. Who, I, who, for some reason, I love, everyone else hates. I love his uh, early stuff and I hate his later stuff. So yeah, I just I just think it, it just looks it looked like action figures. He looked like he was drawing action figures. Yes. I think that's why I liked it. Ah, that's why I, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, I think Esquire is my favorite artist. My yeah. my favorite today character is Strontium Dog. Oh, I mean, that's that's the first character I I think I saw. I don't know why or where from, but that's the first character. And I was just in love with that character because he just he just looked brilliant. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. Just the whole design of it. Everything he did is just 
cool. And of course, it was bounty hunters. And I was, you know, by Star Wars, I never heard of the word bounty hunter before, before Star Wars. So of course it was a bounty hunter. I thought that is that is very Star Wars kind of influenced the fact we have a bounty hunter. And of course Star Wars is full of them. I, th- I believe yeah, Square actually do a Star Wars. I'm sure he did a Star Wars um, thing. Yeah, I think he did. Oh God, let me have to think. Square did um, Star Wars Marrow Jade by the Emperor's Hand. I've been lucky enough to have known and Carlos uh, Square and Cam Kennedy. Actually, I know Cam Kennedy very well. But yeah, they they were both Star Wars fans. Um, no, not huge um yeah. but cam loved the hardware and well still loves the hardware um he's retired now uh, sadly but he's still going strong um but with carlos square he drew the stainless steel rat in 2000 AD, uh, mm-hmm. which was a bit of cosmic crook in the far future we adapted from harry harrison's novels and uh because of that i became a huge fan of harry harrison and later he lived in dublin so i got to know harry very well became a very good friend and a mentor and he basically it's because of him i'm a writer so I can put that down to Carlos and 2000 AD. So oh there you God. go. And, and Star Wars <laughs> in a way, because Star Wars got me into interest in, in, in Star Wars, kept me going with science fiction. So, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was fantastic stuff. But the, um, yeah, Cam Kennedy loved all the hardware. He was a, um, used to do war comics. So he draw the tanks and the aircraft and the ships and so on. And then moving to Star Wars, um, if you look at the, um, his renditions of the Millennium Falcon or the, the Star Destroyers or the other ships, they're incredible. I mean, he's really, yeah. really good stuff, you know? Yeah, he did, he did his massive, I can't remember what they were called, the kind of like planet bustery looking things. And it was just, yeah. that's, that comic really, really got me back into Star Wars again. It was like that. And I, I think it was one because of 2000 AD. It was a, an artist who I adored anyway. I thought, you know, every time I saw his art, it looked, you know, like a comic art that, that I, you know, I want to read. And when I saw it in his Star Wars, I was like, what is going on here? What is what on earth is going on? That detail that he does, it's just something about the, the texture he, he adds to everything. Yeah. Uh, him and his square are just the same kind of, you know, it looks detailed it looks like someone spent a lot of time on every single panel which i just adore um yeah i can't be doing modern comics when there's like you know 15 15 pages of the same headshot yes <laughs> different words oh i hate that so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially when they're just floating heads or people with no backgrounds or they're just there in space yeah. in the kind of inhibitous void um yeah i'm not into that i the story should be grounded and that's why i was like the old war comics um even though i wasn't a huge war story fan i love the artwork they would they would um it always felt real and gritty and and so on and if you look at the uh, original star wars uh the series the uh, sort of adaptation of of what the young folk are calling a new hope which by the way still doesn't sit right with me but the first episode, the artwork is atrocious because they were it was done in a hurry, basically. Yeah. But when it gets good, it gets really good. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved all those old comics. Star Wars Weekly in particular was was brilliant. I, I stopped reading it, though, when I just realized that, you know, page count-wise, there wasn't enough comic material. It was just too thin on the ground. It was, um, and, then, and then they kept repeating it. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been collecting the, the those comics, and it's, you know, it is it does get a bit dull yeah. <laughs> when you're going. Oh, look, we got Star Wars done again. Yes. <laughs> oh, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> You've always been a writer, have you? That's that's uh, your. That's oh no, not not always. No, I mean, uh, I was I had I used to have proper jobs and everything back in the day. What? I used to be a computer programmer, systems analyst, oh, things like that. Before that, I was a postman. But no, I, I, I've been writing on and off for years, and I got involved in a group called the Irish Science Fiction Association. Ended up being their chairman and editing their magazine and so on, and we wrote a few stories. 
eventually just kind of fell into writing full time. I lost a uh, a job. Computer companies let a load of us go in one go, and they went ah. And I went right. I'll finish this book I'm currently working on, and when I finish this book, I will get a job. Well, that was 1999, and um, yeah, I still haven't got a job. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> though back to Star Wars again. What happened was. Uh, one particular day, I realized, oh, Star Wars is coming soon. And as soon as it was open, or as soon as it was available for booking at the cinema, I, I booked it. I went to my boss and said, can I have Friday, next Friday, whatever it was, off? Uh, and he went, yes, okay. And he was very cagey. I didn't know why. And about two hours later, we were all called into the meeting room and told, yeah, you're all being let go. So that's why I got my day off for to see The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> and you regret it ever since yes that's right yeah bloody jar jar so, stole my job <laughs> when did you just start writing did you like start i mean do you contact i mean you know write for 2000 AD. i mean i just think it's like a dream job come well, true yeah it's just... but it's 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 one of those ones that um i mean looking back it was quite simple and straightforward but it took years to get into 2000 AD. i was writing short stories and novels and things like that for a long time and occasionally trying stories uh, comic book stories, sending him off. Um, in 2000, he prints these future shocks, which are five yeah, yeah. pages, well, four pages now, uh, one off standalone stories. They have to be original, they can't be based on existing characters or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, if you can, if you do enough of these, you'll get good. And if you get good, they might take one on. And um, writing short stories is harder than writing long stories, especially if it's going to be fully self contained. Um, if you can master that discipline, then you know, there's a good chance you can, you know, write proper stuff. Eventually, I, 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 what happened was I was writing for, I did romance novels and everything, but I, I used to <laughs> still go to comic conventions and events, and I got to be uh, friends with a lot of the creators, uh, one of whom is a, a fellow called John Higgins, who you may have heard of. Um, yeah. And John, John and I became great friends, and he said, he kept encouraging me, you know, you should write more for 2018. You've got the imagination, you've got the skills, you should write more. And eventually I just sat down and started blasting out these stories and sending them off. And one day I got an email from the editor saying, yeah, I got your story, mate, thanks, send us an invoice. And I'm going, what? Oh my God, I'm in. Shortly after that, no, not shortly, longly after that, <laughs> uh, they asked me to submit um, tales for the Judge Dread magazine, which is the monthly version of 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the magazine has these stories called Tales of the Black Museum, which are standalone tales but set in Judge Dredd's world of Mega City One. So I wrote a few of them, and then the editor said to me, "Do you want to pitch some ideas for Judge Dredd?" And that was what 2011, and here we are, nine years later. And yeah, that's what I do. I write Judge Dredd and do other things. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's good fun. That's Don't awesome. make a lot of money, but it's good fun. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but it doesn't matter if you're enjoying it like that. Yeah, right. As long as you can pay the bills. I don't know whether this is a thing, but it does seem to be that there's a lot of, it seems to be Scottish, Irish, kind of Celtic kind of writers that do 2000 ideas. It seems to be a lot. I mean, it, I mean, I know a lot came from like the DC Thompson, you know, the yeah. Beano Dandy kind of world. Um, and have come from, <laughs> kind of came from there when they grew up. But it just seemed to be that, that there is a real kind of, I don't know, Celtic age. Is it? Is it you got better imagination than the rest of us? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know I, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no I I don't know what it is um I I it's it's it could be the um the, the association thing we 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 people notice us because we're slightly different and they assume that there's lots of us but really it's just a few of us making a lot of noise uh well there's I mean there's me <laughs> and Garth Dennis from uh, as writers from Ireland Rory McConville also uh, but in, in terms of the artists the best artists are Scots 
I never really analyze it in any great detail. There's an awful lot of people who want to, or creators who want to be Irish. We have this thing um, over here where we get a lot of American writers who have an Irish ancestor going back <laughs> 10 generations, and they decide that that makes them Irish, so they come over and they live over here. Um, but that's okay, because over here we have a thing that you guys don't have. Um, Tax-wise, it's artist exemption. I don't okay. have to pay um, income tax on my earnings as a writer okay. um, up to a certain point. Beyond a certain point, I do have to pay income tax. But uh, it used to be limitless. So you get a lot of artists, and not just writers, but creators of all kinds, musicians, everything, would, would um, come and live in Ireland, and um, they wouldn't have to pay tax on their earnings. And that's oh. why an awful <laughs> lot of big-name writers used to live here. And that, then you basically got capped at 250000 a year. Then it was capped at 40000 a year. And that, that turned a lot of people away. <laughs> but it means you can earn up to forty grand a year without paying tax. Here's my theory, and it's a pretty insane theory. And I used to live and work with lots and lots of Irish people all the time, and it was they were always great, especially going in the pub because stores. There was a lot more. Well, I don't think in England we have as many kind of traditional kind of stores that we we tell and, and regurgitate, and families have stories, whether they're just tales or personal stories. I think it, I think it came from there. The fact that that the generations do bring those stories through you know that, like the you know, Celtic warriors and those sort of legends whereas we don't really have that over here we just kind of you know Star Wars is my is my legend <laughs> those sort of stories I don't know yeah, it might, might be the odd war story or something from a family member but I don't know maybe it's just something to do with that but uh, yeah it could be one argument um, which won't make me popular would be that that when you're in a nation that's been oppressed by another nation for for centuries you you tend to have this kind of macabre very dark sense of humor because yeah. you know you can't you can't take things too seriously um but when you're the nation that's that was the one that was oppressing all the other nations you're sort of standing at the top of the pile looking around going well this is all perfectly normal but if you're the one who's yeah. been stood yeah, on absolutely. it's quite different um not, not that we bear any ill will um at all ever but uh maybe it's 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 i mean if you look at the this the scots were oppressed by the english for many years the welsh certainly still are and, uh, and and the Irish um, and all the other nations in the world who were was there, is there any countries that the British didn't invade um, Antarctica the, the Antarcticans <laughs> and Atlantis I'm sure we slapped them around for some ice <laughs> yeah don't worry all is forgiven um, but it is uh, so maybe there's something to do with that I mean the, yeah, yeah, certainly we have a uh, a tradition here with the, the idea of the bard, the storyteller, the, the Shanaki, as we'd say in Irish, which is basically the man who goes from town to town, welcomed into the pub, and his job is basically to to relate stories uh, to, to, to the, the, the local townsfolk. And while he's there, he'll pick up stories from um, the local area and then pass them on to the next town he comes to. So it's kind of a, a, a disseminator of stories. And uh, on legends, myths, and so on. Uh, as a, one of my friends is a, an Irish writer, Michael Scott, who's phenomenally good at remembering old tales. But he actually did that himself for a long time when he was a bookseller. He used to travel all over the country. He'd end up staying in small towns, and he would chat to the locals, and they wanted the local legends, and they would tell him, and he would, you know, compare them with other legends from, you know, see who's who's stealing what from whom. And he eventually started writing uh, his own stories. Uh, based on on these old myths and of course adding a few of his own in uh, and he created a kind of a modern fairy tale story genre almost over here 
And actually, what's also quite interesting is that some of the stories that he made up himself, he has seen repeated in other people's tales of old Irish myths and legends. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. He's going, oh, yeah, yeah, that one isn't as legend as you might think. That one comes from 1980. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to kind of pull that, pull that almost back on topic, that, that's what George Lucas did. He, he yes. took the best, the best kind of story themes, I don't know yeah. how you say it, but um, and put them all into a big, you know, into a big film. I mean, people... Yeah, I've talked about this endlessly on various podcasts and stuff about you know that hero's journey stuff. Was it Joseph Campbell? Joseph is it Campbell? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, people have talked about this for a long time. That, that yeah, that that's why Star Wars is so successful because it, it just took very familiar story tropes and just put them into a, a, a science fiction film, and that's why we yeah. like him because you know, and that's why things like you know, 2000 AD gets in there because again. It, it stays true to what we know. I mean, I remember 2000 AD doing all sorts of crazy stuff in Judge Dredd. You know, President Reagan would appear somewhere in some kind of yes. future kind of weirdness. Is always trying to stay as topical as they possibly could yeah. and, uh, you know, and satirise it, which we don't have enough satire these days. Yeah, well, in 2000 AD, there's definitely that. The, the idea of satire in particular is, is very, very strong. Um, we, you know, but satire, very often it's satire, it's only recognised much later on. Uh, it's not recognised immediately. But... Uh, with with something like Star Wars, what Lucas did, yeah, yeah, Lucas originally wanted to make Flash Gordon, apparently. Well, you you guys probably know this way better than I do, and uh, he couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon. So um, in the there was an interview with him in uh, oh I don't know some magazine many 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 years ago, uh, like when Star Wars was just coming out, when he was basically talking about what he wanted to make, and he um, he wanted to make a science fiction film, but he was interested more in people like Harry Harrison than in Isaac Asimov, Harry Harrison, who did The Stainless Steel Rat, drawn yeah. by Carl Suscura, and so on. Um, he wanted stories about people, not about science. A 2001 Space Odyssey is all about the science. Yeah. It's all about the idea. But Star Wars is all about the people. So that's why, that's why for me, Star Wars works, because it's, it's much more resonant. Because you can sit there and you can identify with a character in Star Wars. You can go, oh yeah, I'm Luke Skywalker, or I'm Han Solo, or I'm... C-3PO, no one ever says that. But um, they, you couldn't do that with it. Um, most science fiction movies, uh, you know, before that, you couldn't look at Planet of the Apes and go, yes, I'm, I'm Galen in this one. No, Galen wasn't in Planet of the Apes. He was in the TV show, he wasn't in the movie. But you, you couldn't do that. I'm, I'm Cornelius. I love the way I shuffle along and, and, and sniff things. But uh, Star Wars gave us characters to, to, uh, to latch onto and, to, and very broad strokes the bad guys are clearly bad, the good guys are clearly good, and so on. It's only when, you, as an adult, you analyse this and go, maybe the Empire actually wasn't a bad thing after all. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, yeah, it, it was very clear that Darth Vader was the bad guy. There was no doubt about it. And when you're a kid, that's, you know, that's easy enough to see. You identify with that. It comes back to um, uh, the, 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 when the Phantom Menace was coming out, there was, I, saw, I read, or just after it came out, I read an interview, or sorry, a review. Some American uh, magazine reviewed it, and really, they did not like it. And they really particularly hated Darth Maul, because Darth Maul has got his, 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 his evil grin and his, his, his nasty teeth and his red and black paint on his face and his horns. And he's basically, the only thing he hasn't done is he's, he's forgot to wear his, his I'm evil t-shirt. Because <laughs> he clearly is the bad guy. And I think the reviewer missed the point because when we were kids, Darth Vader was the bad guy. He was inhuman. He is faceless. He had the mask, you know, so you couldn't see his eyes. Um, he did evil things. Um, and that's what we needed as as children. We need to identify with a uh, 
a very clearly very clearly evil character you know what I mean I'm sorry uh, I could be just talking nonsense I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you start to to, to humanise Darth Vader by by giving him uh, a past and a, you know a reason to become a bad guy it takes away the sting it does. I mean, I mean, you know, the, here's, here's this here's this enormous guy with a breathing problem. I mean, he just sounded even from the start that scared the living daylights out of most people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, yeah, this this is what I think is, is has been lost a little bit with some of the story time because we had too much detail that's followed it. You know, well, it looks like we don't need things explaining. We just don't because I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the imagination it just disappears. Then if you have every, I mean, I've had ridiculous arguments. See, on Twitter, which I get, I, I get. You know, <laughs> taken away by morons. Someone was upset because we we didn't have a backstory of why Ray in the new new films didn't have a backstory of why she could swim. I said, well, who cares? Well, Just why she could swim? Why she could swim? Because she dived into that pool in yeah. one of the films. And he was really upset about it. And it, it wasn't just one; it was several. I got like bombarded. Couldn't. Where's the story? What is next? What is it? Does it need to be explained? If they, she can speak, who cares? It's yeah. just a tiny little moment. Just calm yourselves down a little bit. You know, it doesn't matter. But I think this is what I maybe it's just this generation, and I've become old and farty that um, that I I can just you know I I, I don't need everything explained. I, I can I can imagine it. Let me do it in my head. You yeah. know, get get on with the story. Have some swish blading nonsense. You know, I don't need to nitpick stuff. I just want. A, you know, a silly film with lots of space wizards running around killing each other and lots of wonderful looking things and, and I'll be happy with that but what yeah. I don't want is someone you know you know, almost being doing human things like you know you know fart jokes you know yeah. I don't want a Jar Jar Binks fart joke in a Star Wars movie because that's too to me it's not funny anyway because I've got past that but at the same time it's just you know it's not needed <laughs> it's not oh, needed yeah, I, I agree yeah, I, I, some of the things I, I write are uh, Judge Dredd stories set in his early days. And I got criticized by um, a guy online saying that, you know, you, you don't have to fill in all the gaps. And I'm going, OK, no, backstory is not the same as filling in the gaps. Um, there's, a, there's a problem I've always had with Star Wars is that you, every single character has to have a backstory and has to have his, his reasons. I mean, there's a, there's a character called Dengar, right? You know who Dengar is. Oh, why? He's a bounty hunter. How do we know his name? <laughs> because it said so on the toy it's not mentioned in any movie it's not mentioned oh, exactly. in, you know, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't it was later it wasn't mentioned in any books or anything like that so the, these things are, are um, they're part of the the, uh, the texture of Star Wars but there are times we don't need to know exactly as you say how Rey learned how to swim yes she goes up on a, a planet that, that seems to be um, a desert planet so how how would she learn how to swim? But let's be honest, I mean, if it was entirely a desert planet, they'd all die. So there must be water somewhere. So just as <laughs> she happens to live in the desert bit at the moment, I mean, I, I, I have a, a friend who lives in the Sahara Desert. So, you know, he can swim because <laughs> he didn't always live there. So uh, Exactly. Um, so that Maybe she went with... every Thursday down the pool. Oh, you know, they've got a pool. They might well have a pool. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know. Who cares? Yeah. Also, those Star Destroyers are big enough. They could well have Olympic-sized swimming pools in there. Sorry, I mean, Space Olympic-sized swimming pools. Um, yeah. It's it's the, uh, I think it's, it was Grant Morrison, the comic book writer, uh, who said about that kind of nitpicking. He said that no one pumps the tires on the um, on the Batmobile. It, you know, you don't have to worry about that kind of aspect of a story. It just oh. happens. Too many people need it. 
Yeah. Actually, there was, there was a couple of questions actually I had uh, when you can answer these, right? And I completely off what we just been talking about. Right, one is, and this has always been in my head, and no one could do it because all my Irish mates had no idea what 2000 AD was. Okay, what are you talking about? But no one could pronounce Slain. I always call him uh, Slain. What's how yeah. do you really pronounce it? I, I, in my head, it's still Slain because it's easier. But it would, be, it would probably be Slania. Um, slow. Yeah. It, it it that it's not a real word. It's not a, not a real name. Um, but it is. It's it's very like um, Irish, the Irish language. So it will be Slania, and that would. I think that'd be the closest. I'm not a fluent speaker by any means. I know very 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 little of the language. It's extremely hard. Um, it'd be easier to learn Klingon, um, and be be more fun as well. Um, but uh I do have, I have friends over here and they pronounce it Slonya. So there you go. Mm. I don't know how Pat pronounces it. Pat Mills, I think he's who created the character. I think he pronounces it Slain. And that's fine. You know, it's his character. He can yeah, yeah. It's just one of worse because he has that little thing on the A and I was thinking, hmm, yeah. I've got it wrong. I'm it's, called a, it's called a fodder. A fodder? Yeah, F-A-D-A. Yeah. Oh, my well, another question was, are you going to add to your blog every single block mentioned in Judge Dredd at the name of it? No, like, but <laughs> I, I, there are people who have done that. There's a fellow called John Caliber who has spent years, I don't think he's still doing it, but he's spent years uh, compiling um, a complete list of, of uh, everything in Judge Dredd and everything uh, um, in Judge Dredd City, Meg City 1. And I, I actually, I happen to know me and several other writers use his resources. Could we think, oh. I've got a name for a block. I'll see if that been used. <laughs> so George Lucas block, I'm sure, is in there somewhere. Because you know? as, as a kid, it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't know half his names. I mean, I collected, to, I think I did a list of that. I think it was 86 to 89, I think, about three, about three and odd issues, I think it was, which yeah. I still got. And I was I was going through the day having a good read, going, oh, because I love, like, Bad Company. That's one oh, of my favourite stress. Yes. So I was going back and reading it again and going, oh, my God. Of course, as a kid, I, wouldn't, I didn't know what, what was going on with these stories. I didn't know anything. And, of course, then I know it's like a block name. I'm going, oh, my goodness. I wouldn't have known that. But it, it, you know, it'll actually pay attention to the story. I think during, I mean, I I didn't have it in the comics, but I've got them in as as collecting collections. But Block War and Apocalypse War. Uh, Block I mean, Mania, yes. Yeah. I mean, if if yeah, that's it, Block Mania. I mean, if if they're ever going to make a film, just please, please do that. <laughs> yeah, they that, if if they could, uh, but imagine what that would cost. Um, but that would look amazing. <laughs> I mean, the the 2012 Judge uh, movie, the one with. Uh, Carl Urban is a masterpiece. Um, it's really way better than the Stallone one, which came out in '95. But yeah, yeah they, they, they're they're very. It would be extremely expensive to make uh, the Apocalypse War. But that's that's actually one of my favorite pieces of fiction in any medium ever. It's just amazing, and it certainly shapes the way I write Dread. Uh, I I write Dread as close to that kind of character, the way John Magnus wrote him in that as I can. It's oh, such a great piece of work. <laughs> it is. That's what I want to see it as a, a series or a, even animated series. It would just be absolutely staggering. I don't think people realise how how good that whole thing, even if it starts off, you know, way back in that block mania kind of yeah. thing. And that's, there's, there's so many block names and that as well. Of course, I need to go. I've been. I've got to have a loft there, Dan. I'll have to go through it again because because I, I must have missed about thirty block names. I'll go. Ah, <laughs> oh yeah, there was certainly a lot of the, the names when, when you're kids, you don't know what they mean, and later on you go, oh my god, they're talking about someone important <laughs> or someone relevant. But yeah, there was always the problem in my head of why 
why does Mega City One, which is set around the end of the twenty first century, have characters who are well have the blocks named after people from the twentieth yeah. century? Why isn't there people since then? So I, I've made up a few just random names and uh, you know for blocks, and then in a few years' time, I'll use the same names for um, historical people that I've made up, just to just to throw it in there. But I'm sure I've made up a few uh, Star Wars related ones along the way. So, um, so, so is it is it um, is it you, the writer, who who puts the plot names on there? Do you actually yeah. write the script out completely? Oh yeah, yeah. I, well, I do. Yeah, but sometimes the artists will stick. If there's a block in the background, they might just stick something in. Um, oh, okay. The fellow called Colin McNeil, who I've worked with a few times, who is a a, a young Scottish lad, he is one of the best artists in the world. But he's a great for we for sticking little puns in the background. So uh, he's he's good for that. But yeah, we uh, we tend to. Um, yeah, the writer will tend to do a full script, and you will put, if a block is important, you put the name in. Yeah, oh, you have to, you know. But I, I did a, uh, I did a, a story set in Sue Perkins' block, and Sue Perkins, of course, as you know, <laughs> famous British uh, celebrity, and also one of my favourite people in the world. But she, uh, she talked about that on a podcast with. Oh, uh, with Richard Herring, I think it was, and she mentioned it was one of the great honours of being oh, named in what she called a Judge Dredd cartoon. And I'm going, it's not a cartoon, it's a comic. But even so, I was chuffed that she'd recognised that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've put in a few people. Oh, yeah. You need to get you need to get some random vintage Star Wars. You, know, you need to do a Dengar block or something. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> there's, got, there's, got, there's got to be some character name that's completely random you could put in there. It'd just be hilarious. Who's some the Star Wars nonsense. Who's the guy in The Empire Strikes Back with the ice cream maker? I could stick him in there somewhere. Uh, Will Rowe Hood. See, the fact that you know that <laughs> off the top of your head tells me a lot about you. <laughs> a very sad man. Rusty Staples is called the, is what the blog is called. It's at michaelowencarroll.wordpress.com But if you search for Rusty Staples comics blog, you'll find it. I was taking a bath Long about a Saturday night Yeah, rubbed up Just relaxing in the tub Thinking everything was alright Well, I stepped out the tub I put my feet on the floor I wrapped the towel around me And I opened the door And in a splish splash I jumped back in the bath Well, how was I to know There was a party going on There was a fishing and a splash Reeling with the in the 1970s, Robert Beecham owned Clearo Perfumeries, a small London-based business selling its Chateau de Bubble. The name Clearo was a mashup of his name and that of his brother Clive, who he intended to run his business with. However, his brother refused the offer. Robert had attended college in Pennsylvania and in the late 1970s started to receive a flurry of messages from his friends telling him about Star Wars and how enormous it was. This piqued his interest, despite the fact that companies weren't doing a lot of film merchandising at the time. Having seen some of the forthcoming characters for the film, Robert began to visualise which ones could be cool bubble bath characters, and then made contact with 20th Century Fox in London. Meacham took it upon himself to get his idea into the hands of Peter Beale, not the EastEnders character, but the managing director of 20th Century Fox. He made a mock-up package and walked round to the office. 
before he could be stopped, as he didn't want his mock-up getting lost, he walked straight into Peter Beale's office, unannounced. Then and there they hit a deal for 5% for licensing rights, and Meacham had promised a sample by the following week. He returned to his office and worked long hours on the packaging, even coming up with the cheeky slogans himself. Peter Beale loved it, and the clearer range became the first UK toiletries licensee for Star Wars. Um, my only memory of having a bubble bath when I was a kid, which was, it was a bubble bath because showers, I don't, I don't even know if showers were invented when I was a kid. I think showers are something that came out of the sky. But uh, it was always a bath, and it's me and my brother in the bath, and it was Mr. Matey that came out, and uh, bubbles. And we always tried to make the bubbles as high as it could. And of course, what did bubbles look like when I was a kid? They looked like a little bit like snow. So of course, hoth battles occurred in the bath. So normally, Torn Torn, the Torn Torn might have joined us in the bath when we were younger, until uh, we were allowed to have separate baths when we got older. <laughs> it's not waste of water. Any any memories of bubble baths when you were a kid? By the way, to have interest. Um, I it's not clear, but I do remember having um, a, a white princess layer with a detachable head that had soap or bubble bubbles. Was that the was that the Omni thing? Was that the Omni? Probably, range? yeah. I do. I, I don't have it anymore, but I do have vivid memories of it from when I was a kid. So, Jason, you you were nice to her. I I like to think I was, yeah. There's a story about uh, uh, Carrie Fisher and that that Omni bottle, apparently, but we, we'll come to that when we cover Omni one day. So much UP. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but showers didn't exist when we were when we were young. I was just trying to think when maybe like I don't know, certainly mid eighties, early mid eighties, when uh, first first saw showers by outside of swimming pools and things. But we did have bars and we did have bubble bath, but unfortunately not Star Wars. We were very much a Mr. Matey house. Yes. Is that what it was called? Mr. Matey? Was yeah, like, Matey, absolutely. Everyone had Matey. Yeah, and his, his little sailor cap was the uh, was the lid, wasn't it? And he was, the sailor was the uh, the bottle. So does that still exist? Can you still get Matey? Yeah, yeah, I think I believe it does, yeah. Right, I, okay. So I, so bubbles bubbles were a big thing, and you obviously, what kid doesn't have a bath and give themselves a bubble beard? That's what you do in a bubble bath. <laughs> um, but not, not Star Wars, unfortunately, so... Uh, I don't remember these at all. I'm sure I've got a picture somewhere. My mom was taking a picture of me and my brother with either bubble hats on or bubble beards. <laughs> bubble hats. I'll have to go after and try and find it. It was just, you know, anything with bubbles in it was great. Now, there's no way up north they even had baths. They would have had to, what, wash in a drain or a ditch or something? What do you reckon, Andy? Do you reckon he... Uh... Get head kicked in if he had a bath. Yeah, where he would. From. That's, well, that's you... a normal tale. You smell really nicely with your perfume <laughs> bubble face. I'm going to stove your head in. You'd be wrong there, Pete, because I did have Mr. Matey, and <gasps> my sister had the pink one, which would be called Mrs. Summer or other. Uh, I've got no idea what that would be called. Um, it's it's Miss Matey. Matey. Mrs. Yeah, Matey, was Mrs. Matey, it? Matey I didn't think it was, actually, to be honest with you. I thought it had a different name. Um, obviously, my sister would have had far more products, and I may have, on the odd occasion, nicked something from hers and filled it up probably with something else and tipped it into the bath. But, yeah, I was never a fan of it, to be honest with you. No. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was Miss Matey. Was it Miss Matey? Yeah. Miss Matey, didn't, she didn't look great, to be fair. She looked a bit peeved. But yeah, it was uh, Mr. Matey, or Matey, and then Miss Matey, with pink bottle with a big lid thing on it, her head. Now it's all a bit like cartoony, but then yeah, she looked like she was going to give you a good wash. 
Right, let's get into the product range because we've talked enough about baths. Right, there's not a huge range, absolutely not a huge range at all. It's uh, there is a um, um, two soaps in love, beautiful boxes, two little be- uh, blue boxes with um, kind of like a little hanger that sticks up with Darth Vader's head on it. But one was CTPO and one was Artaditas. They're actually little little soap model creations. Um, then there was a couple of bath uh, bubble bath models with bubble bath in, obviously. Uh, one was Darth Vader, one was R2-D2, but I don't want to tell you what R2-D2 looks like. It looks a bit off. Jason, tell me all about R2-D2. It's not looking good. He's kind of got a silver body and his dome is completely blue, so um doesn't really look that yeah. similar to R2-D2 at all, really, which is obviously R2-D2's white with um, blue highlights, and this is just silver and blue. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that. I mean, the the, the packaging of all of this is excellent. You know, it's got the Star Wars kind of like, uh, what, the triangular logo you would call it? I don't know if it has a name or anything. I kind of started collecting this set because it, I'd started collecting Letra set and it, it kind of melded in with the kind of look of Letra set. So I started off with those two so figures in the boxes that you talked about and then just moved on to the rest of the range. So. Yeah, because it, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird range, especially with, with these figures, because you've got R2 and he's a completely different, obviously... It would be different size to Darth Vader. Do you, do you have either of those? Because the packaging is different as well. I mean, the Darth Vader is really dramatic. It's got, again, it's a nice little sort of tall blue box with uh, Darth Vader in inside a kind of like a, a window package, but a cracking sort of almost a kind of bust of Darth Vader on the cardboard. And it just looks, I mean, if I, if I, I don't remember this at all as a kid, but if I'd seen that on the shelf, I would have definitely yeah, wanted that. I've got both of those, so yes. The only, the only, the only kind of major piece I'm, I'm missing is that, that thing that looks like a spacecraft, uh, which is a twin bubble and shampoo pack, which well, is yeah, they, really. Oh so. um, yeah, well, I, from what what uh, our our Clearo collector in uh, in house uh, said, yeah, it's very hard to get hold of. But so so, so that just complete the range. So there's two soap models, the two bottles, um, then there was a a box of bubble baths. So there's four bubble baths in the range. Again, they're, they're keeping the same kind of um, design. They're really nice sort of blue, sort of like a dark, I want to say darkish blue, very sort of deep blue. Um, but this time the box has got that famous image we talked about last month that was on the sticker albums and stuff, or a couple of months ago. The sticker albums are the real famous kind of Star Wars poster design. Really, really nice. And inside of it, you've got a bunch of bubble bath containers. One's got Darth on it. One CTPO, one Chewy, and one R2-D2, I believe. When we say it's a box, it opens out to be the, the place stand that they'd be sold in in the shop. It's got all the bubble baths in it. They, they come, the ones that um, Andy's got are uh, red top, which is the harder one to get. I've got the, the more common blue top variation. It's blue top? So, well, well uh, we see, we all see that uh, aside from that, that sort of on-desk promotion... There's another one which I've never seen this before. And I've seen all the rest of the stuff because I've seen it in your your collections, but I have never seen the one that has well, this one is the two white top shampoo bubble bathy things. Apparently, it's supposed to be the end of a Star Destroyer. The Star Destroyer's nose, apparently, it's absolutely. I've never seen that before. It's absolutely stunning. A bubble bath and shampoo yeah, set. That's the one major piece I'm I'm missing, and it's incredibly rare, and it'll be very hard for me to get. But I'm, I do I do have hope that I will uh, acquire one of those one day. So, it's hoping. Everyone's got one for sale. I'm the man. 
<laughs> so how hard is the the box to get hold of? Because that looks that looks fantastic. Um, it's a beautiful I box. I haven't seen the box come up either. So, oh no, goodness. I haven't never seen the display come up. So missing that, missing the the, the spacecraft. But no, I've never seen either of those come up. So yeah, I've just corrected myself. The, it's the Imperial Cruiser. Apparently, so I'm going to yeah. assume it is a Star Destroyer. But it is I a guess, Star Destroyer. Yeah, That's I guess. Uh, I, yeah, I guess the words Star Destroyer wouldn't do too well on kids' stuff. But there you go, just you know, destroying things. The Imperial Cruiser is what the um, what it's known yeah. as in the diecast. Yeah, it was the early name before the big focus one, the Star Destroyer. Which is then weird, but because the Imperial Troop Transport then becomes the Imperial Cruiser yeah. for its Sears release, isn't it? So, yeah. So it's so there's some this, weirdness going on. Well, yeah. I mean, th- th- this is supposed to be the one of the first licensees. So yeah. maybe it came from here. Maybe they started off here, started annoying people with it. I don't know. Talking of variations, where we talked about the blue and the red tops, there's an interesting uh, variation on one of the soap models and the, the boxes as well that I only found about recently. The molded soap, um, there's a version of it which has a big round circle on the back of the R2-D2. So there's, there's two of those to get, and uh, I'm not sure what I've got, but I've, I've got to go out and find the other variation of it now. So. Is it? Is there any variation in the packaging at all? You know, is it or is it pretty much standard? Um, I think I think the box is the same. It's just the soap that's a different mould, from what I understand. So nice. Well, I need one of those. Apparently, I need to I need to find out which one I've got and then get the other one. So uh, I was a little disappointed to see that the the two soaps um, are just yellow. Is that true? Is that what you've seen of just one colour? There's no. No, you know, you thought maybe R2 they would have gone a bit of blue, maybe. I know they couldn't have done anything, coloured it up, but you thought maybe CPO, you know, all, all yellow and R2 could have been something different. I mean, as they, as it, are they all yellow inside or have they all fallen apart in your boxes? Um, the, the soaps are pretty much intact. Um, the, the boxes are, are more worn on some of mine than the actual soap. The soaps, uh, they, they hold together really well. Um, as as with all these things with liquids inside of it, um, certain ones I when I certainly when I was buying the the, the set of four with the the red and the blue tops, um, the seller said, "Oh, I've got the I think I bought two or three off the seller," and he said, "One of them's uh, intact and got the liquid in it. What do you want me to do?" And I said, "Unscrew the top and just empty the liquid out of it because if it leaks in the post, it will ruin everything." And there's really you know, there's, there's there's not a lot of value there in having. Jason, that's forty year old shampoo. You could have washed your hair. Well, your two hairs in it. Possibly, but yeah, I mean, he he seemed, um, you know, he said, yeah, I, I agree. With you. you know, there's no there's no point sticking it in the post and having bubble bath leak out and ruin all of the packaging. So yeah, he, he opened it up and emptied it all out for me. <laughs> I know, I know, it sounds odd. Seeing as having worked in a in a shampoo packaging world. I'd love to know what it was like, that stuff that was in there after 40 years. <laughs> I, I think you, you, we'll, we'll have to try. If I ever get another one that's full, we'll have to do a, um, some kind of online video of myself washing myself in 40-year-old Prelo bubble bath or shampoo or whatever it is. And, and see how it, maybe I can have a bubble bath with it. If it's bubble bath, I can just well, yeah. in the bath. Can you still create bubbles? Bit. You know, can you still create bubbles on your bubble bath after so many years? I mean, I, I, it, I think it, 
I think it might be an X-rated video, but um, you know, we can, uh... well, obviously, don't get naked, Jace, because that's going to upset you know, the female listeners. So uh, please don't do that. I, I would second. I would second that, Jason. It's going to upset all listeners, Pete. All listeners, what, what not just female. Um, when you turn the bubble bath around, the descriptions on the back are brilliant oh, of the character. Right, I'm going to read the Chewbacca one out oh, here, Pete. Right, Chewbacca the Wookiee, which only has one E, because that's what the English versions originally had it as before somebody uh, goes off on one. Chewbacca the Wookiee is 100 years old, which is incorrect because we know he's two. He keeps his fur fine with a frolic in frothy-forming galactic bubbles. And if a bubble a day keeps a Wookiee away, then you should too. Just pour one capful under the force of your taps. Carefully made in Great Britain. Not just made, carefully made, Pete. <laughs> That's really interesting, Richard, actually, because I, I, I don't have any of these, but I do have, do you know, the Omni soaps? You mm-hmm. wear those? Yeah. And uh, Chewbacca has a similar write-up on there. But I won't go all because we're talking about Clearo, but he is 200-year-old Wookiee mm. with an IEE on uh, Omni. But that finishes, that finishes with lather up with Chewbacca and feel eight feet tall yourself. <laughs> hey, C-3PO. C-3PO thinks anyone who doesn't luxuriate in his galactic bubbles is a space freak. So get it together and dive into his froth, a far-out form for a fun fantasy. Just pour one capful under the force of your taps, carefully made in Great Britain. Darth Vader, have a wicked wallow in Darth Vader's gorgeous galactic bubbles. Let his extra sensory power wash over you. And don't worry, you will come out shining like a Jedi Knight. Just pour one capful under the force of your taps. That's quite seductive. (laughs) And R2-D2. Let R2-D2 into your bath and his sumptuous special suds will galactically surround you with a haze of frothical robot bubbles. Just pour one capful under the force of your taps. Carefully made in Great Britain. Frothical. Uh, frothical, yeah, frothical. Is that even a word? <laughs> I don't it's know. That's it's even not, a it's word. Not, it's not a word. <laughs> that's got to be a word. That's, uh, that might be a new word. I've been lost. Hang on. Frothical. Yeah. Frothical. It's got to be a word, isn't it? They won't be allowed to use it. <gasps> it's not a word. word. They've been lied to. It's There's a been Star kid- Wars soap word. It's fine. There's been kids who might have read that and used that and then failed their, like, you know, English exams because of frothical. That's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Right. Any more comments on that range and, and the way it's designed, the way it's laid out? Um, the reason I ask this is because, you know, we've seen some some real oddities when companies had these things because obviously they didn't know what's going on, how successful this would be. And there's a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of up and down with the design. These these seem relatively in tune with each other. At least most of the range has the same graphics on. And again, we've got those kind of kind of like cartoony kind of designs on the the bottles. They've also got an artist there who's actually done, done a reasonable job. I mean, Chewy looks reasonably Chewy-like. Doesn't look. Yeah, you know, we've had a few images of Chewy looking a bit kind of abominable snowman. Uh, Darth Vader looks a little bit casual, maybe sort of like hanging around. You'd have thought maybe had a lightsaber in his hand, but again, you know, because of the first, maybe they didn't have too much information sent to them. Um, the obviously the box with the the poster art on it. Um, 
it looks like he's you know they've they've cut it out a little bit but uh, at least they've got you know they've got the usual stuff on there they've got a nice explosion and i can't remember that being on the poster um may the force be with you you know they, they they've got the the kind of star warsy bits off to a t there they've, they've got a bit of effort in there um but yeah i think i, I think overall the range any comments guys any thoughts on that on the range of design of this of this lot i like uh, the design it's nice it's nice and early isn't it it's nice and early looking um i'm not I'm not really into collecting this kind of stuff, but the imagery that of particularly of those boxes for the items are really good. It was the boxes that drew me to it to initially collect the stuff. So yeah, I'm I, I'm all in on this stuff. Cardboard boy. If you look at C3PO and R2, they've taken them straight from the poster. But if you look at Darth Vader's head on the box, and then look at Darth Vader's head on the shorter boxes, and then look at Darth Vader's head on the Clyro bath bubbles Darth Vader box the different Vedas they haven't used the same image they have made different like quite a bit of effort with the Vedas and yet another Vader on the bubble bath there is a different CPO on the soap model to a different slightly different CPO mm. on the on the bubble bath container but uh, there's definitely some artistic licenses kind of a little bit but overall the the you know it's got the same colors Apart from apart from the the Imperial Cruiser, that's it. That's gone off on on a bit of a tangent, hasn't it? Really, yeah. got a completely different colour scheme. But maybe that came up a bit later on. But uh, the rest of it is fairly consistent. The only thing is the sizes are all over the place. You know, everything's slightly different. Um, <laughs> I said with the different coloured top lids is a bit a bit of an odd one. I didn't know that actually, Jason. Clearo had a manufacturing contract with a factory in Abingdon, Oxfordshire, which was making the Star Wars bubble bath. And one day communications had gone down. So, Robert Beecham sent his sales rep to see what was up. Robert then received a call when he got there. The owner's gone. Where has he gone? Beecham replied. He's inside. That's great. If he's inside the factory, you can speak with him. Then came the bombshell. He's inside prison. With the staff walking out as wages weren't being paid, Beecham quickly got himself to his bank manager, secured £2,000 and started paying the wages to ensure production continued. For the next three weeks, Robert Beecham and Clearo Perfumeries ran a bubble bath factory. I'm looking at soap, soaps and eBay now, and some of them appear to be, to be mouldy. They've got white mould on them, which is you found mouldy soap. Yes, I'm just looking for the variant on this R2D2. They do seem to be. There seems to be kind of like um, a fair few of both, but quite a lot of them have got white mould on them. Oh, these ones are really mouldy now. Yeah, your soap goes mouldy if you're not careful. Well, I assume if you've got it out of a package or or it's got moisture on it, it's going to form a bit of mould, isn't it? I don't think soap can go. Can soap go mouldy? Is that even a question that can ask? Can should, soap go mouldy? It should clean mould, surely. It shouldn't get mouldy. Yeah, exactly. I just, it's, it's a bit soap, strange. It's got white residue on the on the surface of the yellow soap now. Quite quite a few of them have actually. Is that decay or is it mould? Oh, I think you'd have to buy one to find out. Is the answer? I've got one of those uh, uh, Chewbacca-y kind of soapy things somewhere, and uh, that's kind of just started to fall apart a bit. You know, because that's crust. I wonder if that's decay rather than mould. That's a question for any soap enthusiasts out there. Right, Jason, you you asked about things you haven't got. Now, um, here's a, a a well, I'm assuming it's a page out of a catalogue uh, which features none of the packaging, sadly. Uh, has some electricity in there. 
but uh, it's got the, the the models that have been unleashed from their packaging and you can buy these all sorts of star wars items and um if you remember those cattles when you were a kid you could send away from this stuff or you know get it sent to you or pick it up from somewhere but you could uh, divide the payments up and uh star wars bubble bath on this advert you can um you can spend one pound fifty which was actually quite a lot back in those days or you can 20, 20 weeks 8p wow so you build, a week for build your account for... up and uh and put eight eight p a week on it uh, i'm not quite sure if people are going to do that spread the, spread the cost out that much and it went that expensive or if you went for the the two r2d2 and cpo soaps and uh, you can do 20 weeks at 5p a bit cheaper mm. right there's another advert here mr Hwasson. there's a star wars weekly quiz so i'm going to quiz you jason so um let's see if you can be the quiz master today just I'm gonna plonk this in. Let's try. actually no, I will put it in first. I'll I'll test you first, Jason. So this was this was in Star Wars Weekly. Yes. Right. Here's the questions. Right. This this is Star Wars Weekly. This was a promotion, a come clean with Star Wars. An R2D2 and Darth Vader ball bath packer waiting to be cleaned up by 24 lucky winners. Oh, you lucky people! Each pack is worth one pound fifty. One pound fifty, Jason. You you could buy a pair of trousers with those. Right, well, so I, I, I <laughs> stick that in my um, fifty thousand pounds I won earlier. Yeah, yeah that'd be, be great. So, is the four questions? So, sorry, six questions. You can enter, send your little thing off, and Star Wars Weekly, and win these amazing prizes. So, first question: George Lucas was inspired by Flash Gordon. True or false? True. Of course, it's true. The force is an uneven energy field generated by all living things. True or false? True. Oh, I think that's true, true as well. Darth Vader once taught Ben Kenobi as a Jedi Knight. True or false? We've stumped Jason already. False. Of course, it's false. Tie fighters are used by the rebels against the Empire. False. <laughs> well done, you're on a roll. <laughs> Sand people are marginally marginally human creatures who inhabit the deserts of Tatooine. Marginally. That's really harsh. Marginally? I don't think so. You never see you never see him under, yeah, true, under the rock. True. It's true, Jason. Stop complaining. And uh, Peter Mayhew played Darth Vader. <laughs> he could have done. He, 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 might, well, he should have done. But yeah, well, I think you might have uh, not won that quiz, Jason. Failed on another quiz. Failed on another quiz. Bless him. Bless his I, little I've heart. actually got, I think the advert that you're talking about, I think I've got that up on my uh, in my display. I now, I now have a Clearo display. I, I, I weeded all the panini out of it, and it's Clearo. Yeah, that's the one. That's my, that's it for my uh, Damn. advert. But there's another, there's another advert that I There is. Have. I've got another one for you. Just wait there, Jason. It's coming in now. Do you have this one? I have no idea what it's oh. from. Yeah, I need that one. Oh, we found something you can find. No, I don't know what it's from. So uh, Mr. P will have to tell you. I'm assuming, let's have a look. What's the address? UpQuest Limited. So what on earth they were making, I don't know. But uh, in some kind of magazine, some kind of thing. Again, yeah, yeah. £1.50 each or one of each for £2.50. That doesn't make any sense. But there we go. Um, and that's now that's an advert and a half. Um, that's obviously drawn by someone in the art department with a crayon. 
um, because you've got a very <laughs> odd-looking Darth Vader with some bubbles. At least they've gone bubbles this time. Looks like it's charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what's really nice about it is it, it, they've done Star Wars. You know, they've used a registered trademark of Star Wars on there, which isn't nice. But they've also done bath bubbles in the same format as a Star Wars logo. And, and you see, I think they missed a trick there. They should have lined it up a bit better. You know, they, yeah, you know, there's, there's big width. gaps in there in between the, the letters there. It looks a little, little... It was a little odd, wasn't it? it didn't quite work because Star Wars is slightly pointing upwards. Bathba was a little bit lower down, bit of a failure there. But um, um, yeah, and they called Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith and uh, and R2D to the faithful little droid. So um, and these have become your photos. Again, the, the images are very odd, but uh, they've kind of like sort of drawn the packaging in, sort of. Um, as far as I've actually seen Darth Vader, he looks very odd, actually. His, his helmet looks very, very strange. But there's an advert for you. We need to find that advert for you, Jason, you need to add to your collection. To yeah, yeah, to. yeah. It's, on my, it's on my wants list now. <laughs> I'm going to destroy your life, Jason. You do know that. Um, and I think, I believe... Well, if you, if you, if you, if you oh, do that, I'll, uh, I'll invent some new uh, Palatoy car bag variations that you must right. have. I've got one more thing for Jason. This this will. Oh destroy. come on, come on. One more thing. I'm I think Andy got this off off the SWCA maybe. This looks to be um, a nice little letter that's obviously sent off to I would imagine manufacturers of some sort. Um, clear headed nice. paper. Nice. Actually got an envelope as well. I can't quite see this on it, but uh, a very nice black and white picture of um, the range and how it should be displayed. I guess so. It looks like it's got. Yeah, that looks lovely. It seems to have two boxes, which um, I'm not sure if there are any. Yeah, there, 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 are, there are there are two different boxes. There's one for the the square, this, the box uh, soaps, and there's one for, another one for the bubble bath. So uh-huh. I think in the picture that um, Andy put up, his is the square one, which is the one with the bubble bath in it. Ooh. The one with uh, the square soaps in it has got a kind of uh, sloped side to it. I think. So the other one's yeah. rare. That must be hen's teeth rather than. Yeah, they're all. That's all very tricky. That. But, uh, more stuff to collect. It's just I can't. More stuff. Stupid. Now, Andy, you're normally someone who becomes seduced by the power of the licensee section. Has any of this shaken it? Well, you might be on eBay now, knowing what you do when we're podcasting. <laughs> Are you? Uh... I don't think so. I do like those display box full. I definitely can see the appeal of that. And I really like the idea of the Imperial Cruiser with the shampoo in. But if it didn't say Imperial Cruiser on the side, I would have no idea what that was meant to be. I imagine actually as a kid getting that, just thinking it was a, a strange, uh, strange box and ripping it open. Uh, it, I, I won't be on uh, on eBay buying this, I don't think. But it, it has got a strange, strange appeal. I do like the, the, the nature of the packaging it does look very early it looks good I, I can see why people do collect it but i don't think it's for me and i'm very disappointed in you with that with that imperial cruiser if you turn that round take the bottles out obviously and use them you turn it around you could get two action figures in there and you could have a little spaceship for playing in if you've got one of these please do not remove the action figures into them just just don't i do would have done that as a kid so i reckon that's why there's none available because that's if i had seen that and i had a turn of my house as a kid that would have been that would have been played with play you know yeah. would you know yeah. then that it was meant to be a spaceship uh, to be fair Andy, anything with sort of paneling on with a spaceship in my book you know i've i, I, I use i had an imagination Andy. anything would look like a spaceship even the even the box that the other stuff came in that had been turned to something uh, I mean, crikey. 
Well, I, I do have a, I do have another childhood memory where, I, as, as a kid, I had the, the first twelve figures in the Land Speeder, and I do remember making my own cardboard Land Speeder out of black and white cardboard. There we go. There we go. So there were, so there were two to chase around. So you had the, the proper one, and then the other one, that then they would chase each other. So That's exactly. So well. if you had that printed box. You would have, yeah, it would have got trash. You would have, would have definitely had that as a spaceship in your in your playroom, Absolutely. wouldn't you? Which is which is why they're rarer than the hen's teeth. No. Exactly. Yeah. But should we just talk finally about that strange R2D2 prototype on Rebel Scum and Star Wars Forum UK about five or six years ago? Okay. A chap popped up OTB Records saying he's got this item. Someone had told him it was a prototype used for making an r2d2 from the film and on both rebel scum and star wars forum it 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 created much debate a lot of back and forth a lot of arguing is is always in the way the original poster kevin he said that once it had been used in the film it was then repurposed by clearo Mm -hmm. and then loads of people going well i wouldn't have been used in the film what you're talking about but as clearo i can see that but it doesn't look quite Right. If it was used, um, I mean, it's essentially the bubble bath container. That's the idea. It's um, it's a resin mold that I assume they would have made the actual steel molds from to make the, the plastic bottles. And it's got this letter with it, um, and it says it was it was given to me by Mr. Graham Brand. There's, I don't know who Graham Brand is, but that's its provenance. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe was involved in the making of the above films. Now, I think that's very unlikely, and that's generally the um, the opinion on the forums. Uh, Craig Stevens is uh, comes in with a with a lot of useful information. Uh, so he's he's basically saying no, it's not used in the films, but Clearo is quite likely where what it's from. Um, and then it just sort of fizzles out. Uh, the OTB record sort of ends the thread by having a comparison of of the clearo it's got like a sort of strange silver looks like a screw doesn't it right in the center just above the middle foot which you don't see on many r2d2 things and the clearo has that and this prototype has that the size of the domes are similar and that strange kind of filled in area between its feet is exactly the same so i mean to me it looks like it probably was used to make the um the molds for the clearo whether it whether they whether it's the exact moulds or whether they were scrapped uh, and, and redesigned slightly for whatever reason. Someone mentioned, I think he said he'd been offered £3,000 or something for it, and, and he thought he could get more because it was from the film. They said he should bite their hand off. So I don't know whatever happened to it. I'm, I'm sure I've seen it pop up on a thread maybe on Facebook more recently than that. I mean, we've seen before uh, things have appeared, especially in that prop store auctions where very odd items, you think, that was never in the... F- don't be so silly. Like that Lando. We, no, I don't think anyone knew it was a puppet uh, where Lando's in, you know, at the end of Empire Strikes Back when he's coming up to collect no, Luke. Oh, yeah. Who would have thought that was a puppet? I never, you know, no one ever thought that, he, that it was puppet Lando. Likewise, the Luke Bespin figures that were used as Germans in Raiders of the Lost Ark. If someone had told you that (laughs) before the internet, you would have told them where to go, wouldn't you? Don't be so so ridiculous. So, I Um, mean, I'm not saying that it was in the film, but I mean, maybe it was used um, in the land speeder just for a a production shot or just to get the size right. Maybe they're making models. You just don't know, do you, how these things can be made? I mean, 
I mean, you know, it, it's a great story if it was if it's true that it was used in some form of production. But uh, there's all sorts of stuff. You know, I, I was told that story about that guy who did all the vacuum metalizing of um, and and other sort of vacuum uh, processes down in Chertsey. I mean, you know, this guy was involved in the films. He was throwing out stormtrooper uniforms because he was getting it wrong and just throwing them into the skip. You know, I mean, it's it's I know, but it's it's amazing what 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 how much production was going on, how much we know, we don't, no one really knows, but um yeah, I like that. That's a great little story actually. It ties that in. That's really cracking. You say that is it's fair points, Pete, as well, because harking back to the diecast, we know that the diecast Tie Fighters were used in Return of the Jedi. Mm. They were clearly they were you could get them in a shop and buy a load and use them to fill up the the screen with extra ties. This does look, you know, this is a prototype, so for that to be it wouldn't have ended up in a film in the same way but if someone was there kind of demonstrating their mold for um for r2 and they were doing some sort of um after shots whatever yeah it's feasible someone used it but i i still think it's most likely it's it is a clear o thing and it's only ever been a clear o thing but yes you say we never know will we yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I, I like those stories that no one's ever going to know. You're probably never going to find out, but we can speculate <laughs> all day. <laughs> and then Jason will spend three grand on it and then for his collection. And it's be, you know, we can we can say, well, well that's nice. I think that's probably it. Uh, I don't have anything else. There's an R2-D2 soap there for me to get. And I've got to figure out which, which it's probably in Star Wars Weekly, which issue of Star Wars Weekly that uh, soap advert's in. Well, hopefully Andy can uh, tell us that a bit later on, maybe, because uh, that's where he came from. But uh, should be too hard to find that. I'm sure if you go through your Star Wars Weekly, there's coming up many. It must have been quite early on. It's been the first, you know, oh, 40 or 20, 30 issues. So should be pretty easy to find that, Jason. If I, if I, if I find it, I'll let you know. Yeah, anyone want to add anything else? It's a small, cute little range. It's flowery. It smells nice. I think it's all washed up, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bum bum to dish. Very, very pilled indeed. Yeah, you better stop it before it goes down the drain. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, you lot getting yourselves in the right lava about this. Let's move on, shall we? Right, so feedback on episode 71. I have to say that loads of feedback's coming through YouTube now. It's been really popular, so I urge everybody to go and check the stuff out on YouTube that Chris Porteous has been putting together for us. Again, top quality stuff. Lots of new subscribers and lots of comments, so that's brilliant. Over on Star Wars from UK, Scott Cato. Great episode, lads. Finally got caught up. Always had a soft spot for Bosk. Such a badass bounty hunter, yet his figure was a really friendly head sculpt. I think it's the same soft face features as the first figures and could easily be related to Snaggletooth. He loved the more Catley interview and he liked the idea of collecting open or beaten cards because each one has a story. He never had a Star Wars tin, but he did have a biscuit tin with Star Wars in them and his figures lived in this quality street tin. And he's actually put the photograph of the quality street tin that he actually had. And it was one of the big tins, two and a half kilos of metal. And it had Star Wars written on the side in crayon or chalk or something. So it was absolutely great to see. It kept them safe and dry for many years. He didn't know Jim Stevenson, but it was great hearing the stories of the old days. Rest in peace. Look forward to hearing more about Pete's Tauntaun Hospital. Keep up the work. So cheers for that, uh, Scott. Appreciate your feedback as ever. Now, I had lots of comments on... Facebook, loads of people loved the John Lennon 
interview they thought that was really good uh, a lot of people are giving us positive feedback on that the same with the more cat interview as well ross cargill i wasn't aware that ross also lived in new zealand he immigrated six years ago from scotland and he also said that he had to echo that mark's tall toy c3po is incredibly rare uh, very very rare to find so it was uh, good for him to listen to that now interesting that we did Clyro tonight because in a different thread Lee Gregory had actually posted a picture and said uh, hi guys fancy taking on the Clyro licensee at some point so you would almost think that we planned that but cheers to that Lee uh, we have covered that tonight Justin Rowland commented on I think this is Pete's game the Endo was it the game of the combat Moon Endo so he put there glad you guys found this interesting as I did I actually discovered this by way of recommended items from eBay when I was looking for the Parker Brothers Willow board game and I sent it to Chris Leddy I think between the combination of Rebel Commando searches and board games and Sakura eBay's algorithms finally sent something interesting my way being that Chris is one figure away from completing a Sakura run, and this being Endo, I knew I had to pass it on to him. Very good work in finding pics of the game itself on that site. I couldn't find anything when I did a quick search. It was quite inexpensive. I would have paid the asking price had it been new at retail. Uh, and then Chris come on there says, yes, he's very thankful he was aware of the item. He still has to find that missing Sakura Vera. Okay, so cheers for your feedback there, guys. The colour keys actually came out quite popular as well. John Ortega uh, talked about colour keys. Uh, he worked in the printing industry in the 80s and you never think of them being out there available for collectors. So hopefully, John, you can track some down there. Clint Garnus, um, Clint, fantastic item. Hopefully there's something like out there for OPG. I've got no idea what OPG is. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or what, but whatever it is, I hope you find one. Um, we'll look at some plastic deck aggregation figures um, and Todd Osborne's page posted the monkeyest stormtrooper I've ever seen in my life um, that looks a real real sad stormtrooper uh, but you know it survived so it's never going to get bleached and that, that's what that argument was about YouTube posting so obviously when we first announced Boss Cat was coming out as I said there Lee Gregory had put a picture up the R2D2 Clyro and asked us to discuss that Andrew Kemp um, catching up with Daryl Short said he was a little disappointed he was hoping to watch the cartoon so yeah very funny now I've never seen this picture before again so Ross Cargill so he put love the John Lennon interview although I thought Paul McCartney was more of a Star Wars collector and he's got a picture of Paul McCartney there holding a hand bespin up so uh, I've never seen that picture before so that was good to see uh, Dave Moore says are you, you guys going to release Fortnite now then with us all in lockdown uh, I don't think so <laughs> no chance whatsoever of releasing Fortnite the episodes lots and lots of feedback keep them coming guys if anybody's got any feedback leave us you can contact us on swtvrpodcast at gmail.com or you can contact us on social media by searching swtvrpodcast huge shout out to Chris again for all the stuff I used to be doing on Twitter and Instagram we're getting lots and lots of messages lots of comments and Chris passes all of those to us so absolutely brilliant keep that going Huge special thanks out to uh, Michael Carroll, who is the only guest on this month's show. That's unusual. We've normally got two or three. Um, so I hope you really enjoyed the interview from Michael Carroll there. Episode 72, guys. It's been a good one. Very mixed one. Uh, lots and lots of different areas covered. It's time to wrap this up now. So it's goodbye from Pete. Uh, oh, goodbye. It's goodbye from Andy Norton. Goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Jason. See you later, everyone. And it's a later, guys, for me. And remember, only you can decide with Star Wars toys.
This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? <laughs> and Jason, as our regular con-goer, I believe we've had an update on Celebration, so do you want to keep that uh, short and sweet and tell, us, uh, tell our listeners what our thoughts are on Celebration? No, just grab that. Um, uh, yeah, that was, no, 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 stop, was stop, a, stop, stop, a, stop, 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 Oh, that's just so cruel. Uh, image panels 12. Chase up. <laughs> What's the answer? He's run off. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank God I'm through. Yeah. He knows when he's beaten. Matthew. Sorry, guys, I got um, something I need to deal with. Uh, my wife's just said the fish tank's leaking. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that give, old give me, story. Give me a couple of minutes. Sorry.